0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello. This is Zack Saber Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with
1: my mates. Enjoy. Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Alman here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Samsa On today's show, we'll preview G1 Climax 32 and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping It Strong Style. On the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our pro wrestling tea store, pro social socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one time or monthly donation by visiting slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPWworld to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Guys, it is G1 season. We are back to the regular timetable for G1. How are you guys feeling about G1?
0: Grade 1 climax. Let's go. Um my second favorite preview of the year. Um only touch behind Russell Kingdom, but yes, here we are, G1 in the summer again, just where it belongs where I can watch the shows live while the sun rises. I couldn't be more pumped.
2: Yeah, um very excited uh, kind of a little bit intimidated just because of the you know the new layout format of the tournament. So kind of feels like even though some things are back to normal here in the summer, some things are kind of like new and you know unique and fresh which isn't always a bad thing and uh, you know we're going to give you guys the full breakdown of the most prestigious tournament in all of wrestling.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm definitely a little intimidated right now. got a few weeks left in the final stretch of my wedding coming up and my, <laughs> my house is getting remodeled right now. Um, so I'm like working in a constru- construction zone right now. Like there's literally like nothing pretty much in my house, it's a bunch of ladders and tools. So getting through all that and keeping up with G1 is going to be tough, but I will do it. Cause I am committed to you people, the listeners.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, this is your first commitment, like, a number one priority in your life right now. <laughs> I, you know, obviously, I support your marriage, and I'm happy for you, and that's all great. But, like, if it leads to you slacking on your G1 viewing, like, I'm going to have to put the kibosh on it, you know? <laughs>
0: We're gonna need daily star ratings on Twitter from you, Jeremy, and I want them up by by 8 a.m. on show day. Okay, I,
1: I will. I will put up my star rating threads. I don't know if they'll be, you know, on on time right after a show happens, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> they better be accurate because rating, states, and
2: opinions are not a game.
1: Oh, All right. my ratings are always accurate. I mean, you can ask the group. I mean, the group concise that I am a you know very accurate star rater.
2: Well, before we get into G1, there's something that, just some family business, I think, needs to be handled here. Uh, I was listening to um, the other New Japan podcast, uh, Super J Cast, recently, and, you know, the name of Chris Samsa came up. And uh, I just need you to know, Chris, we were your friends first, okay? You need to let those guys know that. Like, this is where, this is the true home of Chris Samsa, like, J cast. it's like a. I don't know. That's like some moonlight
0: shit. You know. <laughs> I actually, I don't know if that's true because I think I met Joel digitally before I met you guys.
1: I um, that. That don't matter. <laughs> this is blood. Uh, um, this runs deep.
0: But I did meet you both in person before I met either member of the J cast. So we had Korean um, barbecue listen, together. Am, we we did, but I I sat in a. Beautiful luxury suite with Damon, so that's a different mm. level in mm. its own way. Um, I, you know, I'm equal opportunity when it comes to New Japan audio. I want to be want to be clear that I am um, a freelancer. I'm like Suzuki out here. I, I, it may seem like I have allegiance, but you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, you got to like keep you, me happy. You, you got to keep are, me happy. You are like Suzuki. You got to keep those. Okay, so you got to keep those paychecks coming in.
2: Technically, Suzuki is a freelancer, but let's not kid ourselves. He's a New Japan guy. That's you. You're, yeah, you're technically a freelancer, but well. really, you're you're a Kiss guy. You know what I'm
0: saying? You're,
1: you're a Kiss boy. I, I.
0: Well, okay, I'll I'll break the news here. I'm I'm gonna be on JCast tomorrow. Oh, mm. boom! No, I was playing. <laughs> So, yeah, Damon, I I put, you know, I put that tweet up yesterday that was like, I'm pretty sure this is my only audio this week. And like three seconds later, I get a text from Damon that's like, yo, man, let's do the Joel's out of town. We should do Jcast or whatever, you know, and I was like, you know, you got to do it when when opportunity rises. You got to do it. So so I'm going to hop in on Jcast and I'm working on a situation where I might not be a audio free agent for much longer. But uh, that doesn't mean I uh, that doesn't mean I won't uh, dip my toe out from time to time, so Chris I'm happy to, to happy
2: to be here. You and Chris Charlton are <clears throat> reviving the official NJPW podcast.
0: I cannot
1: <laughs> speak on that at this time. <laughs> Ooh, sounds like we got a little scoop to talk about after we get off the air. I was just,
2: I'm literally just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, God, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about G1 Climax 32, our big preview show I know that there are longtime listeners. I also know there are probably some new listeners, a lot of people diving in for G1 season, a lot of people who watched Forbidden Door and are AEW fans or trying to get back into Japan or getting into New Japan for the first time. So let's give you guys a quick overview. So this year's G1 Climax will feature 28 wrestlers divided into four blocks of seven. So we'll have an A block, a B block, a C block, and a D block. Each participant faces all six other wrestlers within the same block in singles matches. The winner of each block is determined via a point system with two points for a win, one point for a draw, and no points for a defeat. Each night of the event sees one match from each block between two members. On the final two days of the event, the winners of each block will enter a four-man playoff to determine the winner of the tournament, who also receives a future match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. So the first time in three years, the block returns to the summer, moving away from the previous years where it was held in the fall between September and October due to the 2020 Summer Olympic Games being held in Japan while coinciding with the COVID-19 pandemic. At 28 participants, it is the largest field in G1 Climax history and the most amount of competitors since 2014 The tournament will also run in a four-block round-robin format for the first time since the year 2000. So I guess first thing, guys, how are we feeling? We kind of touched on it a little bit. How are we feeling about the four-block format and the increased number of participants?
0: I love the increased number of participants because I like having more new guys to get into the G1 fold, right? I think that's that's important so it, when it comes down to the g1 once you're in um unless you're kind of a special drop-in like a guy like moxley like once you're in and you're like a new japan guy like you you've got a pretty good shot at being in next year's tournament too um so that's what's cool about some of the a lot of these first timers right um guys like lawler and jonah um el phantasmo maybe right we'll see where that goes so i i love bringing more guys in uh while not necessarily ditching a bunch of people that had, had been in the tournament so i think in that sense it's good um the four block format is really interesting right it's the first time they've done it since 2000 and it's the first time we'll have semifinals since i think 2009 so that's like an interesting wrinkle to throw in there too. Is that the just to have that second tier? And I we you know we'll talk a lot about where that could go. But um I think this will break some of the I guess booking patterns that yeah. that we see we've seen a lot of over the past couple of years. And and a lot of them have, have almost become um, I mean they become trends, right? A guy starts right starts slow and and ends hot, or starts hot and slow, peak in the middle, right? Like everyone's got there's there's a finite number of arcs that you can have, you know, especially when you're doing the same nine match tournament every year. So shorter tournament for each wrestler, which is actually makes those arcs a little more challenging to tell. And I have plenty of um, kind of analysis around the the scheduling as we go through too. But yeah, I mean, overall I like the uh controlled chaos of a new format that I think um, I think we're trying this year and, and I kind of hope it it goes well and it sticks.
2: Yeah. Um totally agree with most of the points you made there, Chris. Um the one thing I do slightly disagree with is you mentioned and rightfully so you said historically most of the time you get into this g1 and then you you're kind of cemented at that point you stick with it um but with them having 28 guys that would assume that most of those guys would stick in it if hypothetically they continue with this format or some similar format or similar size tournament they might not depending on the success of this uh but the other thing too is like um there's just a lot of i mean we just there's so many variabilities here that we And unknowns, because like you mentioned, this is the first time they've really kind of messed around with something of this size and this nature. Um, One thing I think that's cool about it is it is just very fresh and kind of new and exciting. Because sometimes if you've watched this product for a while, Gato's has certain trends, like you mentioned, and so it becomes a little predictable. But we've we've noticed in the past uh, doing keeping it strong style when they've changed the formats of different tournaments, whether it was the Super Juniors moving to a single block in December or like the uh, Super Junior uh, Tag Tournament turning into the League. A lot of the assumptions we had going into those tournaments kind of got flipped on their head because there's a whole different, you know, just uh, I guess ideology behind. Who does what? Who gets what? Losses and everything like that. And so that's kind of probably what I'm assuming we're going to see here is just a, an entirely different kind of look to how Gato might book this out because we don't really have anything in his rep, like his history to kind of compare it to for you know a perfect comparison if that makes sense, which I think is kind of cool and kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to break up some of those traditional booking patterns when you only had two blocks. And it might have been a little bit easier to kind of figure out, all right, who's going to win what and kind of see maybe the story that Gato is laying out. But, yeah, I'm very excited for this. I think it's going to be a cool mix up, especially after two years of COVID G1s where we pretty much had to stick with the domestic rosters. We didn't have a ton of Foreigners in the tournaments and so I think That kind of kills some people's Excitement you know unfortunately we still won't have um, Vocal fans Yet it'll still be clap crowds but I think With the addition of a lot of new No debut entries we're having Some foreigners come back like Will Ospreay And Jay White and then with the four Block format I think it's going to make things Very enjoyable and very unpredictable
2: Yeah We I mean when This was an idea that I kind of like Postulated on this show what four or five years ago initially and kind of for different reasons at that point new japan was sort of at its apex and there was a lot of guys that are now gone from the company and a lot of the guys that are in the tournament now were kind of on the outside looking in and we wanted to get them in and i was like "Well, why don't we expand the field and do four blocks you know this is a little different though to where it's like um i don't even know that it was fully necessary because it's not like the product has been as hot as it was in say 2017 2018 but maybe to some extent it is because some of these guys that are just now getting in probably have been deserving of an opportunity and they didn't necessarily want to cut out some of those veterans who like a go-to or someone like that who's maybe not ready to be put out to pasture um and so it's going to be really interesting to see if it continues beyond this um you know some of the benefits you know more rest between um nights of work uh the potential for them to probably with them having less matches each night probably have longer wrestling times per match which will hypothetically probably lead to maybe better match quality overall um if if you kind of equate longer matches to better quality matches which is definitely a possibility here and then they also kind of get fresh matchups, but also they save a lot of matchups that they're not burning through throughout the year. So but then again, at the same time, it's not that endless, when you have an A block or a B block that's stacked, and you kind of have that endless gauntlet night after night of classic after classic after classic, and they, they're kind of keeping the guys contained a little bit, we're not getting that same mix of of banger after banger necessarily. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Some of these questions still have to be answered once we see it all play out, I guess.
0: Yeah, in regards to the scheduling, like normally when you're looking at a G one schedule or, or historically recently, what you see is there's a couple of nights that you're like, oh my god, that's a lot of great matches, right? And right. I think that because first of all, there are there's pretty much one match from each block on each night, um, and then you know a, a handful of of cards that have two matches from one particular block, but what we see then though is that the um I guess the quality of the overall show or of the four, I guess the excitement level around each show is almost the same because you've got a couple of matches that you're really gonna like, a couple of matches that are just gonna that are just on the card and may surprise you, and then the undercard, right? So there's not a ton of there's not a there's not a card that I looked at and I was like holy cow like that's gonna be a ton of really great matches like match of the year quality matches that's not to say that they're not all purposeful but it does kind of level out um, where each card is happening and I think part of that may be to drive ticket sales in in uh, venues that they don't usually go to and things like that. So I think this is part of the big kind of return plan for, for New Japan is to give really good, high-quality shows without necessarily having one that's a big peak or a, a big feature because they were able to just spread out the cards however they wanted. They just needed to run these 84 matches over the course of the 17 block nights.
1: Yeah, I think splitting up the, the block matches each night. So having one match from each block or sometimes you're going to have like each block there'll be one block that has like two matches each night. I think that's a, a smart way to kind of split it up. I think it's going to make the cards more well-rounded. And I think it does leave the possibility to have some nights where you have some better matches because you're not just sticking strictly to all A block. You can throw it. You pepper in a B block match, a C block match, a D block match. I think it makes the card, you're saying Chris, more exciting. You kind of, you're kind of focused on all the blocks, not just one. And so I think it does add a different dynamic uh, within the scheduling and how you watch the shows.
2: Well, I mean, it definitely uh, creates kind of a holistic view of the tournament. Like you mentioned, Jeremy, I mean, it's not an a block or a B block night. It's the G one is taking place and everything that's happening on this night is relevant to its core. You know, the match is relevant to its corresponding block. So It's all kind of happening in real time and they're not devoid of one another, you know, that sort of thing. So for instance, to kind of give you an example, let's say if there's one block you're in the past, if like you loved the B block, but you weren't so high in the A block, you might be inclined to skip some of those nights. But here, if there's one of the four blocks you're not as keen on, it doesn't really matter because the blocks that you are high on, they're all happening simultaneously. So it kind of detracts from that idea of like, stagnation and nights 11 or 12 like there has been you know historically
1: yeah
0: well let's go into do these do you guys think oh. oh i was gonna i was gonna ask if you guys think that that'll make it easier or harder for people to kind of keep up with the tournament and then i guess can we provide a little bit of guidance to how we're planning on doing that
2: well i i definitely think that it can create um challenges but also benefits simultaneously you know um because like i mentioned it is happening holistically so maybe if you're watching it you know arduously like you're not going to be so um you're going to be more immersed in it i guess is how i view it but at the same time if you fall behind it's it might be harder to kind of like keep up with it if you're a little bit behind or even just um Keeping tally in your head, it's like okay, which block was that one from? It's not all happening on the same night the way it has in the past. So it's, and I think for all of us because it's new, even for us as viewers, we're going to learn as we go. So it might wind up being something that we all really like. People might be split on it. There might be people who absolutely hate this for some of the the reasons that, like, you know, Dave doesn't seem to be high on it for quite a few reasons. I think some of the the criticisms he's brought up are valid, but they might get, uh, you know, if, if the tournament turns out great, he might not care so much.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, NJPW1972.com is going to have the, you know, the daily updates, keeping track of the score. Other big wrestling news sites will be, you know, making their results in updates. So I think that'll be an easy way. Cage Match is also another great resource that will keep updating on, on the points and stuff like that. So there will be resources out there for people to kind of keep track of who's winning what, who has what points. Um, but I think with it, I mean, you can just focus on the tournament matches. It's probably, it's either it's four to five matches a night. So it, I think it's, if you just watch a tournament match, just alone. I think it will still be pretty easy to keep up with.
2: That's another good point yeah, too. I mean, like oh, the one thing I was going to say, absolutely. Is like, <laughs> the one thing I was going to say is, uh, you know, normally if it's like five matches, that's, Sometimes a harder watch as well, with it being four matches per night might even make it easier too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was gonna say most most of the cards, especially early in the tournament, are, are four, and then they kind of go up to to five, and then the last the last block night has eight. But that is, I'm sure, intentional to be to be one of those big uh, big cards. So, yeah. I mean, i I obviously won't have a problem because I'll be like updating all sorts of stuff and i you know i'll, I'll do my best to kind of find a rhythm to help people stay caught up via like twitter or supporter but um yeah as a as as a consumer someone who's not producing something with it i i do find that if you're not if you weren't completely engaged in it when it was just in the two separate block yeah nights you know it was was a little bit easier to jump in and be like all right what's going on in b block right like and then everything you're just immersed in that blocks action and then you're like okay i have an understanding of half the tournament and then you can pick up an a block night the same way so um we won't have that luxury so we'll have to be kind of putting the pieces together ourselves which um as a pretty dedicated fan base i don't think will be a, a problem but it does create a new wrinkle
2: well, one thing that happened during the uh recent uh best of super juniors, like halfway through the tournament, they just started having all of the tournament matches on the same night. And that won't be quite the same thing here, but I feel like that probably is giving us a little bit of a taste of what this might be like because when that happened, I kind of stopped really thinking of, of the tournament in terms of okay, it's A block or B block nights like okay, the G one's happening and these matches are all relevant to their blocks, but it, it wasn't like a, a compartmentalizing of everything, you know?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that the best way for people to keep up with those, hit that subscribe button. Stay tuned to keeping a strong style every week. Um, Josh and I will shameless plug. <laughs> we'll be covering the tournament every week, you know, giving the update on the standings, what's going on, the stories and the matches and the blocks. And I'm sure we'll probably have Chris on again at some point in that run. We'll probably have some other guests too. So Stay tuned. We'll, we'll guide you guys if you're new or having troubles keeping up the tournament. But let's uh, focus on the blocks now. So we'll go through each block and kind of give a kind of a holistic talk of the blocks and the participants and what we're expecting, matches we're looking forward to. So we'll start with the A block. In the A block, we have the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada, Filthy Tom Law, Filthy Tom Lawler, Jonah, Torianu, Jeff Cobb. Batluck Fale, and the Murderhawk monster, Lance Archer. Big boy block. Top-heavy block.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's monsters, right? I think it's monsters is probably the, the way they want us to talk about that. So, um, big boys, strong. Um, but when you really look at this, right, like, if you're setting the odds, Okada and Cobb are probably the top tier. Those are those guys that you figure can can definitely go through. Um, then you've got Archer and Fale kind of hitting that mid middle tier of guys with G1 experience. So the, we've seen what they do in the G1, and that's kind of where they land. And then you've got Lawler and Jonah. We have no idea how they're going to perform, right? I think we've seen them in a completely different environment for a really long time now, and we want to see kind of what they bring to the table and maybe where they're going to be headed as they start to work some time in G1 or sorry, new Japan proper quote unquote in in Japan. And then you've got Yano um, who has a ton of G1 history and, and, and a place in the G1 world that I'm sure some people really, really enjoy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Some
2: some people, (laughs) (laughs) you know, one thing though, with that, kind of a concise breakdown. I am wondering if Lance Archer gets the AEW boost. I know we kind of wondered this about sure. Wheeler, Utah, and it didn't really pan out that way, but this might be the make good. He's the one AEW representative in this tournament. He's a guy that kind of bridges the gap between those two brands and has had really standout tournaments, uh, especially his pat his last tournament he had before he left the company. I wouldn't be surprised if he does Better in this tournament than he has in any others previously the other thing too these guys are wrestling what six matches so i mean the the importance of each win and loss is so much more weighted and than it ever has been in recent times you know when they're wrestling you know nine or ten matches or whatever
1: yeah
0: i think yeah and it's a little it's a little tough to look at kind of the history if you're looking at like points right because like so many of these tournaments, I'm looking at tournament results back to 2002 right now, and so many of them, everything from 2011 on, had more than nine right. um, wrestlers in a block. So, you know, I, if I'm looking at Archer's points, you know, he was he had six points in 2019, and then he had a run of eights in 14, 13, 12, and 11. Um but eight points now would be four and two. I mean, that'd be a pretty good G one, you'd have to think, right? So, you know, um, six points is is three and three, which is actually probably where someone like Lance Archer is gonna land, if if I'm guessing. But um, but yeah, I mean it does it 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 makes things kinda hard to, to look at that way, right? There's no more equalizer of like, oh, it's always the same number of matches. So yeah. um so yeah.
1: Yeah, I think Archer can it can go either way with him because we look in AEW, he he is protected at, at some points in AEW, but he is that big monster that kind of eats a lot of falls to you know the the big baby faces, and so um, he's yeah. not he's not super protected in AEW, and so that could help with the booking here in New Japan. They can present him as a monster, he can be very dominant, but of course he can get that banana peel uh, roll up and people can beat he's beatable. That we've seen that on AEW. But Josh you're making that good point of him being the only AEW guy and the way that you was booked in super juniors. This could be like you said, the make good and Archer with, you know, 2019 was a really great G one for him. And he's a, a lot of fire in that whole U S title picture. He was in before he left, they could kind of capitalize on that to, you know, make him a real threat in this block and push him as one of the guys who could be a finalist. Um, I'm really interested in what's going to happen. Like you were mentioning, Chris with Tom Lawler and Jonah as we've seen with, you know, Clark Connors and Super Juniors, he's a guy that was, is one of the top guys on the Strong brand. He's a former title challenger and didn't do so hot in Super Juniors. And now we have um, the former longest reigning champion, Tom Lawler, and Jonah, who's been undefeated on Strong entering into this New Japan world. So I'm wondering if Clark Connors' deal is just because he was, you know, a young line from the LA Dojo and they're still kind of easing him into that lane and is with Jonah's undefeated streak. And with Lawler being, you know, the first strong champion, longest reigning strong champion and only losing to Fred Rosser. I'm wondering how the strong booking is going to play into the new Japan proper booking for those guys.
0: And they both have the schedule makers were not particularly kind to, to either of them for, for different reasons. So Jonah, starts on the 17th against Yano and then he has 12 days before his next block match which is the longest between wow. any any two block matches um and then he's got Lawler on the second night and then Lawler his tournament doesn't actually start until night 6 of this tournament it doesn't actually start until um july 26th which is the latest um nobody nobody else starts the tournament later than that and then lawler's whole tournament happens over the course of 19 days whereas the whole tour is is 31 days so um so those are i think that second match for for both of them um against each other is actually going to be one of the more interesting matches um worth worth checking out both because they're both great wrestlers and also because of how that may play into strong going forward.
2: Yeah. That's something I hadn't even really given a lot of thought to. I mean, we, we say based on just the pure logic of it, like, Oh, they're, they're wrestling less nights overall. So that gives them more rest. But we, but until you actually break down the, the schedule, there are things like, it's not a perfect science because we can't apply the, the former previous schedule logic to this. Like you mentioned, I mean, like what did you say? 11 night gap 12. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that it, in story that could hypothetically be like this guy's getting iced essentially, you know?
0: Right. So, so I, I I've of course broken this all down. Um, <laughs> and then, cause after that, after that 12 day gap, Jonah then goes another five days, but then he's got three matches in five days. Yeah. So between then, then, the between the fifth and the ninth, he wrestles Jeff Cobb, Okada, and Lance Archer. Oh, a tough so, stretch like, right there. That's right. That's a tough stretch, right? So like that's those are the little nuances wow. that I'm excited to you know like unearth, I guess as as we go here. And it it ha- that that when I say it's added a new wrinkle, like this is a pretty big wrinkle with the rest days and the on days. There's a couple of guys that have to wrestle back to back nights in block mm. matches, which is I can't even think of the last time that would have happened in a G1 because of the two-block format. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to dig into. We got, I got more. I got more coming. <laughs>
2: um, going back to Archer, speaking of what you mentioned there, Jeremy, I think really the trajectory of how well he does or doesn't do depend will depend on two things. Number one, how much they are trying to continue to strengthen and bolster that AEW partnership. And maybe vice versa, maybe Tony Khan is trying to strengthen it by giving them a guy that's beatable and, and maybe that's the favor he's doing for them. Or maybe they want to elevate him to kind of help solidify things. The other thing too is how New Japan management might see potential in him to be a guy to come back down the line and do business, you know, because they were pretty high on him just before he left. And it seemed like they were getting, I mean, they gave him that U.S. title they're really starting to like utilize him and push him in, in a way that they never had before and if they have uh any intentions of doing something like that again in the near future that could tell us a little bit about how they they might potentially book him in this tournament you know
1: yeah uh, I think Jeff Cobb is going to be another interesting one to keep our eyes on with the run that he had last year you know he blazed yeah. through the block last year only losing to Okada on the the final block night. So we've definitely seen Cobb, you know, be elevated, be pushed higher and higher up the card. And so I think for him, it's, uh, you know, is he going to continue in that pattern of last year? Or are they going to continue to elevate him up that card? Is he going to run through guys? And with a smaller block, it's harder to kind of get a streak like that. Um, so there's only so much matches, and there's a lot of guys in here. You probably don't want to beat a ton of the guys that are in this block. I mean, when I look at it, I mean Yano and Fale are the two guys. I'm like, I can see those guys, those two eating a lot of losses. But I'm not sure you want Okada eating a ton of pins, or you know your strong cha- former strong champion Tom Lawler, or a guy like Jonah who you've, you've been pushing as undefeated. I don't know if a lot of those guys are going to eat a ton of falls. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of the momentum Cobb picks up if he's gonna, if he's going to be in play again like he was last year to potentially win this block. Yeah, I thought
2: about the whole thing yeah, but- with Jeff Cobb. And I was a little kind of like, well, he he set all these records last year. He went on this undefeated streak, yada, yada. And it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't here. Because if he does do something similar, that's pretty impressive considering the entries in this block. But it's not as uh, impressive as going, like, what, 9-0 and or whatever it was he did last year. So it's like, it's not quite the same thing. It's a, a measure less. At the same time, if he doesn't do it, it's like, damn, like, you know, you've kind of fallen off in a smaller block. So it's like, how do they sort of rectify something like this? And based on what I'm seeing, just to even be in the money, to be in the contention win a block, you probably want to wind up with that minimum, like what, eight points?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't think we'll see a block winner under eight, Um, which means you're going to have some, you're going to have guys go five and one, I think. Um, And someone might buzz through a, Buzz through a block undefeated like that. I guess that wouldn't surprise me just based on it being the, the, the blocks being so small. So I think, you know, we won't have to wait very long to kind of see where, where we're headed with Jeff Cobb, or he's going to have his big moment on night one, right? If he night one, the main event is Okada versus Cobb um, tying it back to the last night of block action last year. So I think that that's that's a match worth circling on that first night to see, mm-hmm. you know. I think that'll be a pretty good indication of of where we're headed with Cobb. Um, I wonder if he if he gets that win, right? If that is a monkey off his back, and then he he doesn't go on a run through the tournament, right? But he had his moment, so that's something to keep an eye out on. So, but I do feel like as we're talking, like I've convinced myself that this is the parody block, right? this is the block where a bunch of guys go three and three and just somebody wins at four and two, Um, you know, with just the right victory over the other guy or guys that end up at four and two. So like, this feels like the most evenly balanced block.
2: So see, I'm, I'm wondering about that. If like, I was, I was literally thinking like, are we going to see a bunch of blocks that are non parody based? Like we, you know, in the past, a lot of Gato's booking does have strong parody and, is a lot harder when you have these smaller fields. Um, and think about like this last year's new Japan cup. He had all the favorites just kind of like swallow up those first like three rounds until we started getting the interesting matches. That was so divergent from what he'd done in any other new Japan cup, mainly basically because of the, the field size. And so I think we're seeing something kind of like that where it's like, it's, it's, it's so hard to know what this
1: guy's going to do here. Yeah. So who who we think is winning the A block?
0: I mean, this is probably this is probably the best chance for me to say what I believe now more than ever is that anyone can win a block because you've got that semi-final in the way of even going to the final. Right. So when it comes to, you know, the the business side of it or the booking side of it, like the the barrier to someone winning a block is is much shorter now. So if if they want to really give someone a rub or get someone going. Throw them in the semis, right? Like, yeah. But you also got you got to sell tickets to those semis. That's what I was thinking. So, right. So, like, and you got a big building. So, Where are they taking place that? Budokan. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, yeah, you've got the three night run in Budokan. So, and the the semis won't be set until the day before. Um. So people are going to be trying to figure out what those semi matches are going to be. It will be, I I did, I was able to confirm that it's A versus B and and C versus D. So that helps people kind of wrap your mind around some stuff. So obviously the the chalk pick here is Okada um, to at least get into the semis before either moving on to the finals or taking his big loss. So that, I guess, is my pick. I haven't done any sort of official picking, but that makes the most sense to me.
1: Yeah, I think Kazuchika Okada is, you know, the the smart money, the smart pick here. Just recently was the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He's the biggest star in the block. You talk about, you know, drawing and star power. He's, He's the biggest star. I think you would definitely want him in that semifinal. If this was any other year and we weren't coming off a pandemic and New Japan wasn't trying to recoup a lot of funds from, you know, the last two years of running... Uh, you know, half capacity and clap crowds and all this stuff I think you have more of a flexibility to go with some other people But I think you want two of your major stars uh, in the semifinals, at least So I think here, to me, right now, cause Okada seems like the most sense um, But for a dark horse, I would say like maybe Lance Archer Just because he is an AEW guy And, you know, he was a, a guy that they were kind of pushing before he left
2: Yeah, I I agree with everything you guys are saying there. I mean, the way I see it, just generally speaking, um, Tom Lawler and Jonah, they're kind of like question marks coming in this tournament, like you mentioned, Chris. And I think that they're going to have great showings for themselves. But generally speaking, unless someone's a huge superstar like a John Moxley or something, most of the time their first foray into a G1, they're going to be eating a lot of pinfalls. So I kind of see them in that sort of position. I also see... Yano and Fale obviously is just sort of being like pin-eaters and, and uh, you know, spoilers, that sort of thing. So the three guys that really come into question are Okada, Cobb, and Archer. And, you know, for my money, especially with it being in the Budokan, I mean, Okada, three-time winner of this tournament, biggest star in the company, the ace, former IWTB champion. I just couldn't really fathom them not putting him through. I don't even think personally that I mean Cobb had an outstanding year last year but he hasn't felt as hot since the end of the Okada feud last year they haven't really seemed like they've been pushing him and I mean as much as they might like Lance Archer and have uh potential plans room down the line I just I I don't see that being something that would set Budokan on on fire either so I for me I think the chalk pick is the obvious pick and I think it would be super wild
1: and maybe even a mistake if they didn't put Okada through. So it's got to be him. <laughs> so before we move on to the next block, what is the... the... Uh, uh,
2: unless they just want to, like, push
1: uh, fucking
2: Filthy all the way, you know, just get him out here, and he just starts arm barring and, like, snapping people's limbs and choking people out and just, like, we're going back to Nokiism just put him through. <laughs> then, then I can get with that. I mean
0: Lawler ends with Okada and then Cobb.
2: That's pretty so, sick. But
0: he also he yeah, it's awesome. It all but he also ends on the 14th. So he ends before they get to um Budokan. Mm. So and and that's I guess that's the other thing to keep an eye on. Obviously how we've looked at in the past is you look at those two last block nights, you figure out what the most meaningful matches are going to be and you can kind of see where the tournament's going to go we don't really have that this year. We have the last night which has two matches from each block on it, but some of those matches don't feel that weighty, right? I mean, for the A block specifically, you've got um what do you got? Okada versus Archer and then you've got Jonah versus Bad Luck Fale, right? So, is Jonah versus Bad Luck Fale going to play into the the winner of the block, you would think, because it's on that last card? Um, there's well, really no when, other reason. To, it's got to affect it somehow,
2: Yeah. right? Remember when they did the uh the math on that last B-block night a couple of years ago, and it was like there was no clear this is the deciding match, and it ended up being like a mathematical elimination that got Ibushi through. I could see them doing something somewhat similar uh, where some of the more weighty matches on the last couple nights might need to be you know, um, determined by that final night just through pure mathematics.
0: Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's, I think we should anticipate that. I mm-hmm. think it's even more likely that someone does kind of a pass through where right. they're not wrestling on that last night, but somebody eliminates somebody else. Archer eliminates Okada and all of a sudden Tom Lawler's going through or yeah. something, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, a prediction worth making, but, that's just um, it, it is an example, right? Or, or someone like, um, like a Jeff Cobb who also doesn't wrestle on the last night, right? So, it, it that's what's so fascinating is that now we have four blocks to work with, right? Mm-hmm. So you might get a pass through, you might get a winner take all, you might get a um, this guy needs a draw on the last night thing, well, the right? So there's I- so many ways to go.
2: I saw Tanahashi wasn't on the final night, but he's in one of the bigger matches on one of the two nights prior to that. And I was like, okay, that's a scenario where what you're describing could totally be plausible.
1: We'll have to wait and see. Tanahashi wins and then just gets got to ride it out in hopes that whoever has a tiebreaker over him loses and he can just skate on into the finals. The other
0: thing too is like someone, someone has to go through on a loss. I think that that's that when you've got four different things to work with, I think that that's, you got to do it. Right. Yeah. I think it's kind of fun. It's fun in real sports when you're like waiting for someone else to lose instead right. of watching your team try to win.
2: <laughs> well, well, the other thing too, that's cool about it is like, because it's not happening all at the same time on the final night, that match hypothetically, whatever it is, let's say it's the main event of the night before might be really important to that wrestler on that night. And it's like, okay, he won, but now we got to see how it plays out on that. final. Now we night. wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's not so much like, a, okay, well, like, he won at third from the top, and let's see what happens with Evil and blah blah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So before we move on to the next block, what's the one match that you guys are looking forward to here in the A block? Mm.
2: Well, I mean, I think it's pretty chalk, but it's proved to be so great so many times in the past. It's got to be that first night with Okada and Cobb for me because even though there's the the one thing we didn't mention is how many because Waller and Jonah's first time in in the tournament we had a lot of really great first time matchups all throughout this block but even with that being the case like Okada and Cobb they're the two biggest stars in the in the block they had a incredible rivalry last year for me that's still the most anticipated match
0: yeah I mean that's that that is the match. Um, And I think that the main event of the first night of the G1 is always a great um, telltale sign of how the G1 is going to be treated and how you're going to feel about it. Right. So I hope it delivers. I hope it's awesome. Um, You know, the other thing kind of worth noting is that like Okada and Yano don't wrestle very frequently. So like, I like to look at (laughs) matchups that have happened, but don't, and, and guys that have been around a long time, but they don't interact very much. So Okada and Yano have only wrestled three times ever. So I mean, if nothing else, that's gonna be fun, right? When that finally when that happens, hopefully we get kind of irreverent Okada and we have some fun with Yano and and, and you know, so that's that's a Yano match that I'm looking forward to. Um I don't look forward to all the Yano matches, but that's one that and the Tom Lawler match are probably the two that I have earmarked yeah. <laughs> for, for what's gonna be a good time. So but yeah, I mean the that cob Okada. I mean, kicking off the tournament, kicking off the block, um, going back to the last night of last year's G one, which was a really exciting and, and a great match in itself. Um, and I think that's gotta be the one that we that we earmark.
2: My only official prediction of this show, Lawler and Yano will wrestle to the outside, both go into the kennel, both lock the door, and both get trapped and counted out simultaneously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but will they will they both get a point? Is the real question.
2: Yes. I don't
0: know. We, we learned a, a last draw. year. No, we learned. We learned last year that a double count out is considered a draw and you and will that's get one, one point. You get one
2: point. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm.
0: OK, I know. Uh, but historically, years and years and years and years ago, historically, a double
1: count out was a no contest mm-hmm. and
0: zero points awarded. So uh,
1: for me, a match I'm looking forward to here at A Block was going to be Okada and Tom Lawler. Uh, Lawler's been on an incredible run since he's been a part in New Japan, since the very beginning when they started Strong, um, that New Beginning USA tournament. Just the whole push of Philly Tom on Strong has been so great. And he's had some fun matchups and defenses against you know guys like Rosser and uh, Fredericks and Connors and all the guys over there on New Japan Strong. And we've seen him outside New Japan facing like John Moxley and Defy. And so overall, it's been having a really a fun year on strong on the independence. And so I think it's going to be a a great kind of reward for, uh, Tom and it's a way to kind of test him to see, you know, can he hang with the top dog, the ace, um, of new Japan, Kazuchika Okada.
0: Kind of just one last thing on that. I think Jonah is also just a guy that I'm going to be paying really close attention to because I, I know that, um, he came in, I don't think, with just the intention of, of working strong. I think his intention was to work New Japan in Japan as often as possible. So I'm very, very curious to see both the output of in-ring as well as the, the booking and, and see where he lands there, especially during that big stretch that I already kind of, um, that five-day stretch that I that I
1: laid out earlier. Yeah, see where he lands with that huge body splash.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you guys stole the words right from me. Um, the one thing with him, too, I was looking for an excursion match to uh, recommend this week, and I noticed that back in May on subsequent nights, him and Cobb had had back-to-back matches and independent promotions. I'm like, so they they might have even, like, worked out the kinks, and that's a that's a big, big boy match for this block. So, like, when that, even though that's not my most anticipated one, that's probably going to be the one that, like, is eye-opening for people. A lot of people are really discounting um, Jonah jo- Jonah, and they don't realize like how special this guy is. And yeah. uh, it's going to be awesome to see what he does in this block.
1: Yeah, and they, and they mix it up on Strong, that multi-man uh, TMDK against United Empire. And that was a lot of fun And those few moments I had in that uh, eight-man tag on Strong. So, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a lot of fun with those guys just hammering each other with lariats and trying to slam each other. Well, uh, let's move on to the B block now. So we have the current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Switchblade J White, Tamatanga, Tomohiro Ishii, the Great Okan, Sonata, Chase Owens, and Taichi. And I just want to get it out right from the top here. I'm calling it now. I think Switchblade J White is going to go undefeated. I think he's going to run through this block and go through to the semifinals.
2: Well, that's an interesting take, and I mean, I think it's totally plausible. I mean, you know, especially, like, again, when you win a block, you're just going to the semifinals, and you would assume that the champion needs to, you know, go through and go through dominantly. So I think that's plausible. Um, At the same time, now that we have it confirmed that A and B block are going to be facing off, and it's pretty much, in my opinion, assumed that Okada is going through. I kind of see B-Block through the lens of an Okada opponent, you know? Mm -hmm. And him and Jay White, they obviously just recently wrestled one another, so I think if that's where you're booking it, you totally could do that. However, I do think that there is maybe the slight off-chance possibility that if you wanted to, as a booker, if you wanted to establish a strong title challenger that's not Okada, you have them win this block now and beat Jay White and then go through and maybe lose to Okada or lose in the finals. And then they have a claimant for later on, you know, and you don't have to have that repeat, repeat Jay White, uh, Okada match, even though I think that's probably what we're getting here.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good read on this one. I mean, I think white going through and going undefeated. I mean, let's, let's think like Sonata. Sure. He can beat Sonata. Chase Owens, of course, right? Great O'Con. they've never wrestled, but I think, you know, if we're tearing people out, that's, I think Jay's a, a level above. Tai Chi, mm-hmm. same, right? Um, and then you've got, I think, the two biggest threats to Jay White going undefeated are Ishii, because White and Ishii have this long-standing thing where White can... He has his number. Almost, he's, Ishii's got his number, right? And mm-hmm. then you've got Tamatanga, who he wants um, to get in they on
2: the... <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're also wrestling on the last night, right? So that's a that's a spoiler in a, in a, in a way too. It could be right. So and, and Sanga, you know, you can harken back to him setting the precedent of defeating the IWGP champion
1: mm-hmm. mm. last year.
0: Well, no, last year Okada was not the champion.
1: That's true. Yeah, but, Shing, I mean, Shingo was still champion.
0: Shingo's champ. Yeah, yeah. So but Everyone seems to have ha-
1: forgotten that, including New Japan.
2: <laughs>
0: there's a lot of Shingo championship erasure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so Tamatonga, there's a lot at stake there, right? And we, we know the Bullet Club stuff is going to permeate this tournament. And we didn't really get a chance to talk about an A block because A block's the only. Um, I think it's the only block with just one Bullet Club member in in Fale. So the other ones, I think you'll see some Bullet Club um activity, right? And and Tomatonga kind of ties back to that, right? Because he's one of the beginning, one of the one of the founders of Bullet Club, and then you know, Jay White somehow, some way from afar, you know, found a way to kick him out. So, um, and that's still fresh in, in everyone's mind. So I think the, the chalk pick is to, to push Jay through to the semis, and then that whoever beats him in the semis is either going to obviously win the, the tournament or they're going to set up um, being kind of that either that in between defense or uh, the third party in, in maybe a two night Wrestle Kingdom if that's the, the route we're going.
1: Yeah, I think that whoever Jay faces in the semi, I think that's going to end up being the, the fall defense and that probably the, that burning spirit tour that's going to be happening in September or whatever they end up doing in, in October. Maybe they do bring back King of Pro Wrestling, because um, that way you want a fresh matchup for at least one of the Knights of the Dome that, j- that hasn't happened this year. So I think you know, you get that fall defense from the, the A-block person he'll face in the semifinals, and then the winner of C and D will face him on one of the nights in the Dome.
2: Well, one thing, too, to kind of consider is if Jay White goes to the semifinal and then loses to, like, let's say, Okada, right? Um, it's highly unlikely that Okada... And 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 let's say he's undefeated, like you uh, mentioned, Jeremy. It's highly unlikely Okada's going to beat whoever wins the C and D block at that point because they wouldn't be getting another title defense in the fall because that match would probably be occurring, like, let's say... At, in January, and we still don't even know what January is going to. That's another hard part with all this. We don't even know what January is going to look like. Are they going to do another double gold, triple gold, quadruple gold dash? <laughs> like we don't know what's even happening. We're out of gold, that. guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, mean, this is probably a good chance to bring up. Like, think about it: the never open way champions, not even in this tournament. Mm-hmm. The um, you, the Carl. US title is hanging out with. The belt is with Juice Robinson, but Will Ospreay is the champion, right? The tag titles aren't in this tournament, so because they're they're with FTR, so like right. there's not a lot of belts happening, mm. <laughs> right? So
1: we do have uh, the provisional gold. KOPW 2022 <laughs> sure championship. Sure <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, and uh, the
0: never open weight six man two thirds of the never open weight six man championships. Yeah. That's those are the only champions in this tournament. I guess I mean you can count Will and, and Rev Pro too, but he's the same guy. So it's 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 a strange layout when it comes to like um building towards title defenses because I'm Carl, Carl where's Carl Anderson? Like he ain't coming in for the G one, right? Like and um you know he,
2: you would think he would be able to, though. It's not like he's absolutely got- He doesn't have AEW like obligations and like national TV. He does monthly tapings. Like why isn't this guy in the fucking tournament?
1: He's like, no, not for me, brother. I'm I'm good. I'll 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 win the belt Dominion. I'll rest for the summer. I'll I'll be back in the fall.
2: Now here's the thing. Good work if you can get it. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'll say this. Either Okada and Jay White are both going through or one or the other is going through. But we're not getting a scenario where neither of them go through, you know. Mm-hmm. So from there, that might help you out with your picks if you're still on the, on the you know, undecisive, you know, chopping block or whatever. Either Jay White is going to go through and face a potential challenger in the semifinals or Okada if he's not facing Jay White, he's going to be facing one of these guys. And, and I think that's the more likely scenario. And kind of looking through it, I'm like, damn, I don't know which of these matches actually seem plausible or likely. The one kind of dark horse pick, and I know people probably don't want to hear it, but he just seems to do inexplicably well when it comes to the G1, especially in terms of Okada, is Sonata. Mm. I could easily see Sonata... And I'm not saying that this is my pick or it's my prediction, but I'm saying if I if I didn't want Jay to go through, just historically speaking in tournaments, Sonata seems to be a guy that they like to have go through and lose to Okada. <laughs> so, and it maybe even beat Okada. So, right. take that for what it's worth. And He's been that. a final four.
1: Uh, yeah, I think we all forget that he was a finalist in 2020. That seems to be kind of swept under the rug. So, yeah, you could get Snida pushed into a finals there, and it would totally uh, make sense. I mean, a guy that if you weren't going to go with Jay, I would love to see great Ocon. Um, I feel like it's now's his time. They There's been so many times where they had the opportunity to push him and really do something cool with him, and they've kind of passed it by. And I think he's one of these young guys, you know, we hear you know, the New Japan press conference, they, they want to push young guys, they want younger stars, they want mm-hmm. fresh matchups. Well, here you have a guy in Great ocon a fresh star. He's getting over in the U.S., in Japan. Uh, the fans love him for his online activity, for him saving people in real life. There's there's a, there's a lot going for Great Ocon. He's a very good wrestler. Um, so he's a guy that if I'm looking at this and I, I don't want to go with Jay, he's a guy I'm looking at to push in and try and elevate him. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I,
0: I know that the office knows they have something in Ocon too. They they love everything that he does. Um, so if they're gonna make a star out of one of these blocks, he's he's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, as I look down further further down the block, like you're not making a star out of C block, and we're we're gonna talk to you about that in a second. Like it's it's pretty stacked, um, and there's not really a Gnari. candidate for it in. D block. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you've got kind of the same tier of guys in, in D block. So if, if we're looking at one star making performance to keep an eye on, it's probably Great O'Konn and 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 see if he can A improve off of last year's tournament and B um see kind of if he if he's worth putting into a semi, right? I mean semi semifinal, what's the big deal, right? Like that's kind of right. that's kind of the way I look at it. It's like If you're, you can make a guy by building him up. The other thing about Okan, he's got the shortest tournament, right? His whole tournament is the same length as Tom Lawler's. It starts on day six and ends on day seventeen, so it's 19 days. So here's a guy that could legitimately have some momentum, right? He's he's got either three or two days off the entire time that he's wrestling because his whole first ten days are are just undercard stuff. So that's kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on too is that like he's got this really balanced schedule you're going to see a lot of him as the tail end of the tournament comes up so he may have been favorably booked here to actually gain some momentum um and maybe he gets the pass through um if something happens if Tomatonga say beats jay white on the last night and great ocon gets the gets the pass through i think if I'm, if I'm putting a bet on that scenario happening at all, someone who doesn't wrestle on the last night going through to the semis, I think it's Grado Khan.
2: Well, you know, I had picked Grado Khan to be a finalist in this past year's New Japan Cup. It ended up not working out quite that way. But, you know, the, the talk has been for a long time that they see big star potential in this guy. And like you mentioned, Jeremy, with the recent um, press conference, they did talk about pushing new stars. You know, it's only a matter of time before they pull the trigger on him. The, the question at this point is, when is that going to be? Are they going to be a little more conservative the way that they tend to be in the past with some guys and kind of move them up incrementally? Or is it going to all happen in one fell swoop with a big G1 tournament like this, kind of like what they did with Kenny at some point? And, um, you know, that's where you're kind of playing Nostradamus. Like, is that how you see it? The thing, though, keep in mind, is whoever wins this block, like, Because they're in the same block as Jay White, they not only have to be strong enough to headline Budokin in a semifinal role, but also probably wrestle Jay White again in a major main event scenario later on. And for my money, outside of Tamatonga, there's no one else that has the storyline and character compelling enough right now. Maybe things could change through the course of the tournament to actually do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Ishii's always good for a fall tile defense if they, if they wanted to go that route. Um, Tamo's didn't make the tournament, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Tonga I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing what he's going to do. Last year, he had a really fun G1 turning baby face and having these fun, high-energetic uh, matchups. So I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch, and especially when they crescendo to that Jay White match that the whole bull Club split and riff has been surrounded about uh, around Jay kicking out Tam and his brother Tangaloa. So he's going to be an interesting guy to, to watch as well in this block.
2: Um, last two guys that we haven't really... Well, actually, there's like three guys we haven't really touched too much on, but they're all worth, you know, kind of discussing. I mean, for my money, I don't think Ishii has any hope of winning the block. If he did, it would be like the greatest underdog story of all time. <laughs> I, I personally can't think of a greater... A versus B block semifinal match on paper than Ishii versus Okada, just based off their history. That's, you know, it, if it was me booking, that's what would happen, just based on the fact that that'd be the best match you could possibly make. But it's it's just not likely. At the same time, I think Ishii's going to play a pivotal role in this block like he usually does and probably be the standout guy. But then Chase Owens and Tai Chi both have something to prove in this tournament. I mean, chi has been here, you know, four times in the past. Chase Owen's been here twice. But they're both kind of in higher statuses than they had been in the past. And they've both been putting in better performances. I don't think either of them have a chance at winning the block. But, um, you know, basically the quality of their matches are probably going to be pretty high. They're probably going to be looking to elevate themselves through the course of this tournament. It, tai chi went
0: three and... In- Six last year, so you got to figure he's due to have a better tournament in regards to getting some wins, um, maybe over guys in the same tier, right? But yeah, What's he he had yeah uh, three and six would be probably two and four, maybe yeah, yeah, which is a tough pill to swallow, honestly, for Tai Chi. Like you figure he's a higher tier than that um and i but i was surprised by the three and six last year mm-hmm. so just to get you know is, is tai Chi just completely um focused on the on the tag stuff now like is he is he not going to get another singles run i don't know
1: right like
0: so and and i don't know that now is the time to try to pull that trigger either yeah it seems, um, it seems so, like we'll, we'll see
1: yeah, it seems like that kind of put him on the back burner Because also he, he's been doing a lot of the KLPW stuff With Shingo with the multiple pinfall matches And he's either kind of been yeah in that KOPW realm Or dangerous checker realm And so it seems like they're not really looking to push him But I mean, he's a guy that can have great matches I think people, when they think about Tai Chi They think about you know, old heel Tai Chi He would goof off and have a lot more shenanigans in his match we, We've seen a more serious, harder hitting Tai Chi In the last couple of years. And if we get that, I think we're going to have a lot of great matches. And also, he could be a guy that could potentially um, be higher than we think he's going to be.
2: Um, One last thing, you know, and I guess maybe we shouldn't discount him too much Tamatonga. You know, um, he, ever since last year's G1, he was one of the the standout guys. And, you know, just recently went on his first, although it wasn't super successful, (laughs) went on his first singles title run and with the in story of bull club and his betrayal and everything like that, him and Jay white wrestling one another on the final night. I think some people are looking at that and thinking maybe he'll play spoiler, but then again, him and Okada have history coming out of last year's G1. What if he beats Jay white and he's the semi-finalist and he wrestles Okada? I mean, I don't know if I think that that is a big enough marquee match to really draw But if he has the kind of performances that he had last year and gets over, I mean, he's a bigger star now than he was last year. So maybe, maybe that is possible.
0: It's the classic upward failure too. He lost the never title, but then he goes to the G1 semis, right? Like Mm. that's, I don't think that's out of the question at all.
2: And then that is something that has, even though maybe he does at this point today, isn't perceived as someone that has enough star power to, 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 incredibly face Jay White in a major match for the title later on in the year. But if he beats him and then beats Okada and loses in the finals and then, you know, and then there's that whole bull club feud and storyline going on, who knows? Maybe that is possible.
1: Yeah. And like we mentioned, we don't know what the January schedule is going to look like, but I'm going to assume we're going to get at least two Tokyo Dome shows and I'd also assume that you would have some kind of Bullet Club, you know, storyline as, as part as one of the draws for the Dome. So I think elevating Tamatanga would be a, a smart thing to do, even if he doesn't win this block, having have, get some big wins. So that that way that Bullet Club match can be a big thing at the Dome. But, yeah, if, if they really want to solidify him and elevate him up the card as a main event guy, then, yeah, beating Jay White and then facing Okada in the semifinals would be a huge thing and like you mentioned, Josh, it can play off of the match from last year where Tamatanga got the upset and beat Okada clean. So uh, what matchup is the the one B-block matchup that you guys are looking forward to?
2: You know, um, just for the pure, I mean, for the storyline, it's and the importance that it seems to possess, it's got to be Jay White and uh, Tamatanga. But for in-ring quality, like the, the match that I'm like, oh, shit, I can't wait to see this. It's Tai Chi versus Ishii. That's the, the banger match of, of the block, easily.
0: Um, I always look forward to Ishii Jay White because I think that it's it's really interesting when you've got someone at Jay White's level that um, has a tough time getting past you know one particular wrestler. So I think that that'll be awesome. And then Great Oka Jay White is wildly intriguing to me because I am an O'Con guy and, and I want to see him elevated. Okan has wrestled, let's see, four of the other guys that he has to wrestle in this tournament and he's Owen six. So he doesn't have a single win over anyone. Historically anyone else in, in this block, he has not wrestled Tama or Jay white. So Okan and Jay white would be a, a telling match to me. So that those are the the two that I'm looking forward to the most.
1: For me, I'm really looking forward to Great Ocon versus tomohiro Ishii. Um, I just think you know, two bruisers, two hard hitting guys. I think um, Ishii can really help uh, Ocon have a kind of a memorable G one uh, match here, and it'll be something is a good thing to have on Ocon Ocon's resume, especially for the Ocon haters out there. So uh, let's move on to the C block now. So we
2: before have... before we do that does it sound like we are pretty much uniformly in agreement that it's likely going to be okada j white in the semifinals or has some of this discussion changed your guys opinions
0: i do not think it'll be okada j white in the semis mm. but i don't i i cannot say more than that like i don't know where else right. it's going to go i think one of them one of them is going to get bounced before you get to the semis
1: I mean, if I had if I had to put money on it I, I would say, yeah, it'll, it's going to be Okada, J White That just seems to make the most sense for me But like we mentioned at the top of the show This is a very unpredictable tournament Unpredictable format um, And so, they can go Obviously a various different directions So, they could easily do Okada versus Okan, or they do uh, Jay White Versus, uh, I don't know Tom Waller or Jeff Cobb or somebody like that, who knows uh, but for the smart money, I'm going. I'll stick with Okada and Jay White. If
2: I think because some of the the talks about Okada maybe taking a break after this and his upcoming childbirth, some of that has me a little concerned. But then again, the implications of what would happen if they do face in the semis, as it pertains to a fall title defense, and then the January fourth, it makes me feel like Okada is going through probably and gonna he'll probably go to the finals. And if one of these two gets bumped, it's more likely, in my opinion, Jay White. I think it's likely that Jay White either loses to Tamatonga and Sonata goes through or Tamatonga goes through. I think those are the your two dark horse guys to kind of look out for to maybe potentially wrestle Okada.
1: All right, so let's move on to the C-Block now. We have the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hiroki Goto, one-third of the never open with six-man tag team champs. We have Tetsuya Naito, Evil, Kenta, Aaron Hanare, and Zack Sabre Jr.
2: Mm. Pretty stat.
0: A, here's a C-Block stat. So a number of G1 matches. So historically, these guys have wrestled in you know, a number of, of G1 matches. The C block totals 515. The next closest to that is the A block at 350. Mm, and then the uh, next closest to that is the the B block at 244, and then the the D block uh, coming in with, with 194 G1 matches under their belt. So 515, that's an incredible amount of G1 matches. Three guys in this block, so Tanahashi, Goto, and Naito, have yeah. all wrestled in over one hundred G one climax matches in their career already? That's so awesome. yeah, you know when like
2: it, those are your guys.
0: Yeah, and that, but then you've got Evil at fifty four and Zach with forty five too. I mean, like those are fifty four and forty five would be mm-hmm. top three of, of a couple of the other blocks. So you've got G one experience here in in the C block, and I think like this is the this is the block that's going to provide the most kind of level g1 you know these are these are g1 level matches that you expect night in and night out one of those you're gonna have that one c block match on on every night and that's gonna be the block that i think you brings a ton of stability to all these cards
2: well i think the first thing that stands out to me is like okay you got Tanahashi, you know and even though he might be a little bit older and broken down. We've seen how the companies relied on him through this past year and kind of put him in prominent positions. Naito's kind of a guy that's been on the back burner, but is maybe potentially due and has been favored in the past for several G1s. Uh, and then you have Evil, former champion, who's always kind of waiting in the rings. And then Zach Sabre and Kenta are two guys who haven't held the title, haven't won a G1, but are definitely plausible, you know, Spoilers and killers, and can easily win a block. The only two guys here that I see that I'm just like, hell no, they can't win the block no matter what happens. It's Goto and first time entrant, uh, Aaron Hanare. So, this for me is like, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I know Naito's winning, or I know Evil's winning, or I know Tanahashi's winning, but I don't think it's as open and shut. I think this is actually the hardest to call block just because there's so many plausible options for who you might want to have go through.
1: Yeah, like there's so many guys that they can go with here.
0: The CD block has eight main events throughout the tour. Uh, next closest is actually the D block with four, mm. and then the A and A has two, and, and B has three. So, I mean, that tells you something. You've got Tanahashi in five main events, five of his six matches are main events. So, like, that's the other cool thing about um, the scheduling the way it is is that. Um it Tanahashi wouldn't have five main events if they were just having C block nights, right? They would they would spread that out differently. So you've got Tanahashi with five and Naito with four. Um and those are the, the top two main eventers of, of this tour. So nobody else has more than two, um, which you know quite a few guys have. So yeah, I mean C block is your is that's your main event block because like all these matchups, while they've happened a bunch of times before. This is your, like I said, like this is your core group. I think when it really comes down to it, these are the known entities, and you know what you're going to get with this block. And with that said, you also then don't know what you're going to get on the side of the results. So I, I will get there, and I'll will I'll do some thinking while you guys talk. But I have no idea who's coming out of this block.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, I don't either. Like you mentioned, Josh, there's there's so many different options you go. I mean, Tanahashi won the tournament in. 07, 2015, 2018, has been a finalist in 04, 2010, and 2013. He's the ace. I mean, he's so reliable. Yes, he is. You know, he's a little bit older. No, doesn't move quite as fast. But on the big stage, Tanahashi's going to deliver, and he's going to perform, and he's going to shine. That's why he has five of the main events. So you could always go on all reliable on the ace. Nitro, like you mentioned, a guy who uh, fans still love. People are clamoring for him to get another G1 to have like a lengthy IWGP world heavyweight title run evil. He's no longer one third of the never six man champions that frees him up to be back in a, you know, championship role. I I don't, I don't want to see that, but it's highly plausible. if They want to get him back on track that he could win this block. Um, Zach Sabre jr. He picked up a lot of momentum last year in the G one and his feud with Shingo Takagi, uh, the win there. And then the, the fall title defense he had against Shingo, were two of the best matches of the whole Year in 2021 um, So Saber's a guy If they really want to you know I've been saying that Sabre has been um, putting in That that kind of top foreigner Spot kind of that that hole that was left By Kenny Omega Sabre has been kind of slowly sliding Into that spot so if they really want to Keep you know hit the gas there you, you can go With Sabre as well and you get another Sabre um, You know potentially you can go Sabre Okada as overall Finals and that's always a great matchup.
2: I can make a slowly slide joke, but I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, one of the other interesting things too is like not just the fact that all these guys have so much G one experience, but because all of them are long tenured, um, you know, New Japan wrestlers, a lot of them have so much history and and, and stories. Amongst themselves within this block, so you know there's a lot to kind of sink your teeth into. Whether it's you know the Tanahashi Naito stuff or the evil Naito stuff or Zach and and Naito, you know Kenta Tanahashi. There's just a kind of a lot of interwoven history, really kind of embedded into this uh, this block here. Um, the other thing too is eight the C and D block, like okay, traditionally when you're looking at a, a G1, whichever block had one of two things in it, oftentimes they were the same thing, whether it was Okada and or the IWGB title that kind of told you a few different things about the way uh, Gato might book potentially and like I mentioned oftentimes, Okada was the champion so those were one and the same. so but with this the C and the D block, they don't have a champion and they don't have Okada so, that opens up the possibilities a lot more for what could happen in these blocks as opposed to, you know, we kind of talked about it, how everything with Jay and everything with Okada is very, like, you know, you can kind of see the bare bone structures there. But here it's like, take your pick, you know, and it it really depends on what, how you kind of want to book out your G1, who you think is coming out of the D block to fight one of these gentlemen. I mean, I think the, the chalk pick is probably Naito he's still probably the biggest star and the guy that you'd want to see pushed coming out of the block, unless you're, you know, there are Naito haters haters out there. (laughs) But um, he's a guy that feels like he might be due, but Gato likes to book tragedies. And I'm not saying they should do this, but who knows? Like, what if evil wins? I don't know.
1: Then we all cry. Um <laughs> among the
0: C block uh, in head-to-head matches, there have been a hundred and thirteen uh matches between these six wrestlers already. So and that is is significantly that significantly like, higher.
2: In all history or just in the G1?
0: In all history, yeah. All all head-to-head. So not not necessarily just the G1. Um, but what is it? D block has 32. Uh, B block has 38 and a block has 43 uh, head-to-head matchups that kind of ha- historically have happened between their competitors. So like these are guys every night that are going to be familiar with each other, which I think is, is cool. And again, tons to draw from in regards to um, stories and his history between all these guys. And, and I'll kind of jump to my, most anticipated match and it's, it's Zach versus Naito on the last night of the block. And I, I don't know. It, it, it almost doesn't matter if that's a block decider, right? I think it, I think it's got a really good chance of being that, but also like those guys going back to the beginning of last. year. I mean, Zach ended Naito's G1 last year mm-hmm. and it's going to get, we're going to take until the end of this year's tournament to get back to that match. And a, it's always a great match. Yep. And B, It has so much more weight to it now, and then you put it on the last night of block action, there's a good chance that that's a winner-take-all match, and it could go either way.
2: The other thing, too, is like, for me, you know, we'll get to it, but looking at D-block, there's only two strong possibilities with one maybe outside chance. Uh, Like, I think the, the two strong likely winners are either Osprey and Shingo, and I think you can make a a very narrow outside argument if you wanted to be like, you know, creative and maybe have ELP go through, but I don't think that's likely. So I think that's also another thing that kind of helps you here is like of these guys, especially like you mentioned, you said Naito and uh, Zach are wrestling on the final night.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, So, I mean, who of this block do you see going to the semifinals against either Osprey or Shingo because that's probably the, the most likely scenario one thing we've been talking about on this podcast for a long time of all the major protected matches that haven't happened between major stars in New Japan Naito and Osprey is one of those matches that's just never happened up to this point and it, it's highly possible that that could play out here.
1: Yeah, I think Naito is definitely going to be the strong favorite. Um, and like you, Chris, I'm looking forward to that, that Naito-Saber match. I definitely have that circled as a potential you know, block decider just because they're big stars, and there's just so much history and story, especially after last year's G1 going into that on that kind of big stage. I think it would totally make sense for that to be the ultimate uh, C-block decider. The other big matchup that I'm looking forward to is Naito and Tanahashi. Um, Those guys, they just have amazing chemistry, even at this point in their careers. I remember, I think it was the 2020 G1 where they were the opening night. That match was just absolutely incredible. It's a great way to kick off the tournament. So I think those guys are going to have a banger.
2: They didn't in the New Japan Cup this past year, though.
1: Never mind that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that that? His 2010 draw with Tanahashi is Naito's only singles draw, like on record. Really? Mm. Yeah.
1: I don't even I remember know that. because
0: I have the records. Um, <laughs> I but I didn't realize that until I was I was looking at draws for some reason today. I was looking something up and and I just caught. That, that Naito's only draw, not just in G1s, but then I went and looked at the rest of it, and that's his only singles draw on record, and it, it was 2010 G1. So I, I don't foresee that coming into play um, with this year's G1, but I thought that that was uh, a really interesting piece to, piece to the puzzle. So, um, I mean, I, 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 the other l- match on the last night is Evil versus Goto. And that kind of ties into chaos and House of Torture still kind of interacting a lot. Right. So a lot of times those last block nights will start to give you an indication of where things are going going forward for the wrestlers who may not be going through. Um, And if I had to bet that's that's a match that has more implications towards something else as opposed to having implications towards going into the final. I think the naito Zach match is gonna end up winner take all.
2: Unless, like, if you're you know, we've seen Gato do this a lot unless you have Evil in a strong position going to the final night and Goto has to be his spoiler which could could easily be it.
1: Which would then set up a probably a rematch for the Nera Six Man titles
0: except goto has it so he if goto's the spoiler goto's that's champion. probably not going to set up a six man yeah well, well
1: evil we will be, will be mad and want to take something from goto like you, you took away my sure. my g1 sure. semifinal spot so now i'm going to get those titles back from you kind of thing
0: i mean here's the real uh the real kicker that we haven't even explored is i mean we have eight bullet club members in this tournament are we just doing a a Bullet Club semifinals. It's gonna be four dudes in Bullet Club and different different sects of Bullet Club all going into the semis.
2: If they had strong enough I'm members, kidding. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> be, I think uh, Kenta
0: versus Evil is a really interesting match, though. Too yeah, one to well, one to kind of put your eyes on. We've
2: seen one a few times now.
0: Right, right. But I, I think we're actually ramping up towards this Bullet Club civil war situation now and uh so kenta versus evil is is the 26th um i think it's actually evil's first match
2: Here, yeah evil's much, a late starter too here's how much i didn't even remember that they're both in the same group i was gonna say kenta's the only bull club member in this block i because <laughs> i forgot Evil's. i think that's
0: I, I think that's where we're headed with house yeah. of torture but we haven't gone there yet and and they do operate mostly separately um but yeah, so but Evil's first match is Kenta, so I guess that could kick us off in a way um, to to set something up for the Bullet Club stuff.
2: Also, Hanari is gonna try his best. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna go out there. He's gonna he's gonna really just try his best the whole time. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's a there's a lot of guys here that he not even just in G1, just in general, has never been able to work singles with at all. So for all the people that are like, what are we doing with, you know, Henare all these years? This might be the chance for us to really see if he has the goods at this point and can make a mark and can stand out and can get over because this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, if you can't do that against Goto, Tanahashi, Kenta, and Zack Sabre Jr., I don't know what to tell you at that point
0: the only person in this block that Hanari has wrestled one-on-one is Goto. And that's only been once.
2: <clears throat>
0: so like, these are, this is wildly fresh matchups for, for Hanari. So th- yeah, this is, this could be a big coming out for him. I would love that.
1: Yeah. It's, now, it, this is make a break for the, the based uh, Aaron Hanare here. And yeah, he's, he's really got to go out here and, you know, take full advantage of this thing. You know, Hanari is a guy that, we've, you know, been behind during his early Young Lion days and that kind of early feud he had with Ishii, but he kind of got stuck in that rut of not having a real excursion and kind of being stuck in the undercard of Huntai now, doing something, you know, cool and new now with the United Empire, so I think now's the time for him. He's probably not going to win a ton of matches, but he really needs to go out there and have a lot of really good matches, and he has incorporated a lot of, you know, the Muay Thai stuff, and he's been looking good on uh, New Japan Strong and some of these uh, New Japan undercards with the Empire, so I'm hoping that he does kind of break out and has has a good tournament.
0: I think the Tanahashi match is really interesting too, because they had that. They did a a whole tag league
1: together, I think, right? Yeah, Tanahashi and yeah, dude. so Hanare. Oh, Hanare. yeah,
2: a long time ago. Yeah,
0: that was was that a long time ago? Everything feels like a long time ago, <laughs> pre pandemic. Um. So that's an interesting match to me, um, just because I remember all those interactions and hoping that that was going to be the elevation of Hanari at that point, and it it wasn't. Um, so, but yeah, this is Hanari's first major like run of singles matches. He has very little singles experience under his belt, um, you know, on, on record with New Japan. So um, this will be his first real real pass at it.
2: Um. I will say this. I don't expect Tanahashi, even though, you know, we kind of made the arguments for why he could go through. I just feel like at this stage of his career, he's probably not going to be the guy that wins this block. And I think that kind of narrows some of this down a little bit more. Um, With Naito and Zach both being likely contenders and them facing off on the final night, you know, I know for a lot of people, they're probably thinking Naito goes through and that is probably the chalk likelihood, but you know, With Osprey and Shingo being on the other side of that door, and it's Zack Sabre Jr., that is very possible. He's got a lot of history with them. He, like, in the early first quarter of this year was looking like the best wrestler in the world, especially in that New Japan Cup. Um, I'm not predicting that. That's not my call. But, I mean that would be pretty awesome either getting Will and Zach again or Shingo and Zach in a semifinal situation. Like all both of those matches have been some of the best matches this year. And I, I would love if they were able to run that back.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Josh, do you say your uh, most anticipated match for this block? Yep. Oh, sorry.
2: So yeah, I would say, um, yeah, it's gotta be night and Zach, um, just looking at the everybody that's here, I mean, that's going to be the one with the most importance. Those are the guys; they always tear it up every single time they're in the ring together. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty easy answer there. It's got to be Naito and Zack Saber Jr.
1: Nice. Uh, any final C block thoughts before we move on to the D block? I, I think Naito's going through probably most likely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you think this is the big the big Naito rebuild? Moment after he's had some kind of some stuff get in his way, uh, it's hard to bet against that. Um Especially once like you, he then you look over. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, it's not now, I don't know when. Right. Um, if you want to keep him in that really true upper echelon and and make things interesting, you know, Naito's Naito's a guy, and Naito and Jay is an interesting, um, pairing. They had a really good run in. 2019 for the intercontinental. Um, so yeah, I, I think Naito's Naito's the guy to keep keep your eyes on. I don't think they're gonna bury him if they don't put him through. But um, once you look over to to D block and you look at the guys who might go through, you know, Naito ends up making even more sense. I think.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about the D block. We one have one last thing.
2: My my view with that too is you only have Naito not go through in my opinion, if there's someone in this block that you plan to go all the way with. Because I don't think that they're, aside from, I mean, I think Zach is also another plausible guy to go against Will and Shingo, but I don't see him beating them and then going to the final and then losing. I just, I don't think that math makes sense to me and I don't see anybody else here in this block that can win the whole tournament. At all or be a strong enough Opponent for one of those two Former champions so like Even though there are credible Names looking at the other side Of the door I think with it being Will and Shingo On the other side it just makes the most sense it's got To be Naito most likely
1: Yeah So let's look at D block here so We got Will Ospreay the current IWGP US champion Yoshihashi one Third they never open with six man tag champions Shingo Takagi the current KLPW 2022 Provisional Champion, David Finley, Rock Hard Juice Robinson, El Fantasmo, and the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi.
2: This is my opinion. Um, Of all the blocks, just from a straight, pure work rate standpoint, this is, in my opinion, the work rate group. Even though I don't see as many big names as some of the other uh, groups, I just see more great matches potentially coming out of this group than any other block, period.
0: I think this is... Yeah. I mean, I, I the person I'm most excited to see throughout this G1 is probably El Phantasmo.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I, I know that his tournament's really going to live and die on his first and last matches, so those are the matches with Will and then Shingo. But I'm I'm so curious to see how he plays heavyweight, how um how he elevates himself to the the bigger stage of the G1, as opposed to say Super Juniors or the even the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship or Super J Cup, right? We've seen El Phantasmo get a lot of different opportunities with this company. And this is another one to elevate to heavy. And um, and see what he can do. But I think, again, I do think that his tournament's truly going to land, uh, it's going to live or die with that first and last match, but everything in the middle is going to be important, too. So I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm super curious to see where that goes. I mean, we've got three Bullet Club members in this block, so that creates some shenanigans, I'm sure, and and I'm curious to see how that plays out, too. You've got Juice, El Fantasmo, and Utero. So um, that does kind of probably draw the work rate down a little bit but um but ultimately yeah this is this is a good looking block finley's a, a ringer too to have a bunch of great matches first g1 right anytime you're in your first g1 you've got a pretty good chance to to make a name for yourself
1: yeah finley is definitely in that hanare spot where they really got to go out here and make have a great tournament you know finley did pick up a lot of momentum uh, in 2020 in that new japan cup where he had the big upset um, over Jay White, and they were kind of building that program. But, of course, all that cooled off with the Gaijin unrest, and they not be able to follow up on that until resurgence in August in L.A., in California, where we were in Jay White country, and people did not care about a Face day Finley. Um, and, and since then, he's kind of been doing the tag stuff with, with Juice and Impact and stuff like that. Um, obviously now with Juice being heel and in Bull Club, Here's a chance for Dave Finley to shine as a singles. He has this big opportunity here, and so he needs to go out there and kind of recapture some of that magic he had in 2020 and do that over again here in this tournament. Um, Like you mentioned, Josh, with this being um, a tournament, it's going to have a lot of great uh, matchups with this block. uh, You know, you got Osprey and Shingo, two of the best wrestlers in the world, guys who they're probably going to give each guy their best matches in this block. It's going to be the Osprey-Shingo Four star and up challenge. Like every, every guy that wrestles Osprey and Chingo are more than likely going to have at minimum a four star match. Um, these guys are going to elevate guys and have um, a lot of really great matches with everybody in this block, including guys like uh, Yujiro Takahashi. Um, Juice Robinson, you know, he has a, a little new lease on life here with the, the new rock hard gimmick and being a heel and being in full club. We've seen the past G1s, he's kind of struggled. Um, you know, he's, he's had good matches, but as far as K-Faber-wise, he's always had a lot of losses, and so with him kind of being more pushed, it seems he could be a guy that could pick up some more wins than he did in the past.
2: Yeah, I think with Juice, it's going to be very interesting because since he turned heel, we haven't seen him in a singles match. We only saw him in that four-way, and so we don't really actually know what his... What his ring work is going to look like as a heel at all just yet uh, it, it still sort of felt like he was fleshing things out just a little bit back in Chicago and so this is going to be our first like real kind of pre. you know we'll get to see exactly what it is he's going to be doing with this iteration of his career um, with ELP it's kind of you know there there's a part of me that like when you guys were talking about it I started getting really excited and like the first thing I thought was like well you know Remember when Kenny Omega, like, went heavyweight and then he came to the G1 and, like, he dazzled and he won the shit, like, all that. But then I, like, thought about it for a second. I was like, but then again, Kenny, like, had an intercontinental title run and, like, had turned heavyweight, you know, a long time before that. There was a lot of establishment there and there's not been as much establishment or any at all for ELP. The closest thing that ELP might have in the interim between those two things was probably... That 2019 G1 win, Osprey was the IWGP champion, and he had his run. And in in that one, he lost quite. He lost more than he won, but he had great matches, and then defeated Tanahashi on the final night. So I wouldn't be surprised if ELP has something more similar in style to what they gave to Osprey back then than they do with uh, with Kenny. But I with with Finley. I think he's a little different than um, what you had mentioned with Inari, where it's like, yes, he does need to show us something, and, yeah, he has stagnated. But the difference there is we've seen him in singles roles, and we know he has the goods. It's just a matter of putting everything together and getting over at this point. And so that's that's the thing is, like, I'm not really too worried about whether or not he's going to deliver in ring, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. But the big the big talking point, it's gonna be the two man race between Osprey and Shingo the whole time. Um I'm assuming they're wrestling each other. They're not wrestling on the final night, or are they?
0: No, they wrestle on the on August sixth, the twelve the night twelve of the of the tour.
2: That seems weird.
0: So kind of in the middle. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: know. The I don't...
0: final night. This and and so we'll see if you pick up kind of where I think this is headed. The final night. It's Will Ospreay versus Juice Robinson. Mm-hmm. And it is ELP versus Shingo.
1: Very interesting. So, so yeah, it makes me think that Osprey and Shingo are going to be tied at the top. And then whoever or, or, or something
2: close to that. Yeah,
1: and whoever wins is gonna win the block. Also, I think
0: we're kind of a lot of people are just ignoring that Will Osprey has the U.S. Championship, right. and that Juice Robinson's doing this whole hold the belt hostage thing. And I think that that last match um, of of this block be, being Juice and Osprey, I think that is more likely to just lead towards what they're both going to do from here on out for a little bit, which is, you know, get mixed up with the U.S. Championship, right? Or the other option is Osprey just absolutely demolishes Juice and finally takes his belt, kicks him out of the ring, and says, like, all right, fine, thanks. Like, instead of having to work towards another match.
1: Right. Yeah,
2: yeah those are both right. definitely things that could happen. I mean, my gut instinct from the get-go, I didn't know when they were wrestling, but I just assumed, since they're in the same block, Juice was probably going to beat Osprey. So he had that, that claim. But since it's the final night, there's so many stakes... That one's difficult because initially I was like, well, Osprey's this big star. He's been trying to get back to the January 4th, you know, yada, yada, and everything like that. So he should be the guy that goes through. But with him being in the midst of this I've been screwed so many times storyline and him having that U.S. title and the juice situation, I'm thinking that. And plus, like, we kind of talked about how Shingo hasn't really necessarily been kind of treated as like a major guy this past year, the way he he was the previous year. I don't know. That makes me feel like Osprey's going to lose on the final night and Shingo's going to beat ELP in a pretty major match and then go through to the semifinals.
0: Here's the other thing that happened, though. Shingo pinned ELP at Forbidden Door.
1: So ELP can get that win back.
0: it's that the ELP gets the win back. Was that a big enough? It, it was. It was definitely a big enough stage. And I think that that has to be part of the, the, the thought process here is that Shingo pinned ELP in one of the only New Japan, New Japan interactions at Forbidden Door. So you have to believe that's going to end up meaningful in one way or another. And does that mean on this last night, ELP spoils Shingo?
2: It could spoil him, or, win. or he could go through himself, but then... He could go through, yeah. Why not? But it feels like if if all things being equal, that would probably create a, a situation where Juice likely goes through. I don't know if that's what they want to do, is have Juice and hypothetically likely Naito. That doesn't sound very sexy,
1: it, it doesn't, but if you want to elevate juice and have some Bull Club representation in the semifinals, I could see that happening. But that
2: much? It's too much.
1: <laughs> it, it probably is too much, but you, you know how Gato likes the book. He loves heat. He loves the Bull Club, so they, they might want to do that. Uh, but I, I don't. I feel it's going to be Osprey Shingo. The only thing for me is I feel like it's more likely to have the U.S. champion in the semifinal over the provisional KOPW champion. Right. I feel like that KLPW uh, trophy is holding Shingle down. It's, a, it's an albatross around his neck, and I don't think he's going to get pushed very heavily as long as he has that trophy. So I don't see him going into the semifinals. I think it's going to be Ospreay as the U.S. champion. So on one half, you'll have the world champion, and Jay White, in a semifinal bracket, and then you'll have the U.S. champion, which should be the number two belt, which they've been trying to reestablish, but due to COVID and injuries and all kinds of stuff. People having a you know appendixes bursting and all kinds of stuff. That belt's been all over the place. Um, so here's a chance to reestablish U.S. title, secondary title, a top title, putting it into the semifinals.
2: Well, that all of that is true. However, I mean, I don't think the KOPW really defines Shingo as much as Shingo kind of defines the KOPW. You know, I don't see it as an albatross. I think especially if hypothetically you don't see him winning the tournament at all. Like, I feel like him going to a semifinal and then losing in the semifinals is probably the perfect slotting for a guy of his station being KOPW, you know. He's not a Yano, you know, exactly at this point. Um, the other thing, too, is we've seen ELP, like, like, have, especially in Super Juniors, have all these, like, different things he's trying to do and then fail at it. And that could be his whole entire story. The whole time is like, I'm coming for Shingo. I'm going to get that win back. He embarrassed me, blah, blah. And then he just fails.
1: Yeah. Um, in a Great match.
2: Yeah. In a great match. The other thing too, is again, going back to it, Naito, if Naito is the guy that goes through, and I think he's highly likely he's wrestled Shingo one time. They're stable mates. It, it, that was a fantastic G1 match from years ago and they've never run it back. So if, that would be a big, big deal if they did wrestle again. But with him and Will Ospreay, if they wrestled, they're doing a first-time-ever match, something that maybe could arguably be giving it away on too small a stage where it might be deserving of a of a Wrestle Kingdom kind of, you know, sort of or G1 final sort of slot. And maybe, maybe if you're booking, you don't do it right now because it's, you know, you don't need to
0: that's too big for Budokan at this point. It's too big for the semis. Yeah. For the semifinals. I don't know. Right. It, maybe- it it That's to me, Naito will is, is probably the most protected unused match in new Japan. I, I can't, you know, looking at these 28 guys, you figure these guys would be involved in, in any of those matches. Like that's the biggest match I can find from this talent pool that isn't common or, or has not happened. So is the semis the right spot for it? Pro- probably not. But if not, then when, right? Is it, the, you know, the, like that's the thing. Right. Is it Wrestle Kingdom next year, 2025? The only thing that about seems that. seems like it's in a long time.
2: We, <laughs> we said the same thing a long time ago initially about Jay White and Naito, and they ultimately ended up doing it as like a, a block, you know, one of the final nights of a block night when we're like really you guys are doing it that way i thought you're gonna save it for you know like a finals or or a wrestle kingdom so maybe but that was
0: announced right well right like that was that was announced so you knew like oh i gotta be in the building for that right like this sure wouldn't be announced until like less than 24 hours before and i feel like that that does leave some money on the table
1: I think, though, if you want to establish the semifinals and you, you're going to keep this four-block mm-hmm. format and you want to let people know, like, yep. in the future, the semifinals are going to be a big deal. You're, you're going to get some big matches in the semifinals. You can kind of establish that by having a Naito Osprey first-time matchup so that in the future you know, oh, man, the, the semifinals, we're, we're going to get some two bangers that's going to lead to an even greater final. Um, so that maybe that's the, the, the logic there.
0: Yeah there's a lot of long term uh stakes involved here to give two really high level matches on the on the last night or on I'm sorry on the semifinal night so yeah I think that's a that's a great point that if you want this to be a successful format going forward on zero days notice um you kind of have to give quite a lot on the first time
2: for me and I'm just looking at everything I think Naito's winning this year's G One, and because I think he's you're winning not alone this, in that. Well, I didn't feel that way. Like I felt like that was an emotional thing that a lot of people were calling for. But it's like I, the other guy I could I could definitely see an argument for is Okada, especially with how Gato likes to do back to back winners <laughs> so often in, in in many different you know facets of his booking. But I think Okada would find his way into one of those Wrestle Kingdom night main events regardless of whether he wins this or not. And I'm just looking up and down and the other two guys from D block that makes sense to me are Will Ospreay and Shingo, but one's US champ, one's KOPW champ. You know, that just kind of feels like weird slotting at this point. Um, Zach is a dark horse, but probably not still. Just looking at everybody, all things common with Jay White being champion, and I don't I don't think that they're going to have the champion win the G1 this year, I think Naito's the guy that makes the most sense. And if Naito's the guy for me that makes the most sense, I think the, the most marketable match that's not blowing the most money is him and Shingo. I think it's him and Shingo in the finals. He beats Shingo. I think we're going to get either Okada versus Jay White or okada sonata or okada tanatanga one of those things and then uh yeah i think okada goes through i think we're going to end up with a fourth okada naito match this year naito beats him making what the score two to two yeah for the year and naito wins the g1 i think that's what's happening and
0: i think that's a certain possibility
2: And I think the thing is with Okada Naito, it's like it might not be big enough to headline a dome anymore, but in in this kind of context, I think it's still a big enough match, at least now, now that they're like spamming it, to do it finally as one major final that it's never happened before as a final of a G1. They can be done with it and they can make a lot of money off of it and it'll definitely draw and then they can move on. I think if if you're squeezing that juice, Squeezing that fruit right now, and getting the most juice out of it as you possibly can this year. That's what you do. You do Okada Naito. You have Naito go over. Naito's winning the G one. I'm yeah. I'm pretty. I feel that that's
1: what's happening. And like you mentioned, Josh, you can still easily get Okada into a title match at the Dome. If you have Okada beat Jay in a semifinal, and you don't do the fall tile defense, and you you can do the double double tile thing. You can have Jay White Naito one night, and then the winner of that face Okada the next night because Okada has to win over Jay. That's how you get Okada slipped in a title match if you want him in a title match.
2: I I would have said either Shingo or Zack being heavy, likely favorites, but them both being tied up in those two title pictures between now and then, that just feels weird that they would win the G1. Like I I, I think that that's going to prevent them from moving through. Same thing with Jay White being the champion. I think all three of those guys should... Potentially be potential winners, but because they're champions, I, I don't think it's likely.
0: Well, I, we're going to hear about it a lot, probably. But the last time the the top IWGP champion won the G1 was in two thousand, which was the last time it was a four block format. Mm. So all all the stars are aligning to Jay White actually winning the G1, and then maybe he calls his shot and he calls
2: that was
1: Sasaki.
0: Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember. I don't I know think, the top
2: I think it's Kensuke Sasaki won it that year.
0: So there's a lot of matches for Jay to call out that I think would be really exciting too. Um, maybe even people who are not in the G1. Mm,
1: maybe like a one John Moxley. Sure, or, or Kenny Omega.
0: Yeah, or one Kenny Omega, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if if if, if that is on the table that particular match, if that's on the table, then I think that there's a possibility that, um, that Jay, you could headline the dome with that.
2: Oh
1: yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. Sasaki beat Manabu Nakanishi in the finals of the G one that year, man, what a weird layout for this (laughs) G (laughs) one.
0: Well, that would, I mean, when it was so small too,
2: right. How many wrestlers were in that? Uh 20 wrestlers, five four blocks, of five, five block, yeah. And every single person that won their block won with three wins.
1: Mm, so weird.
2: <laughs> and not only that, they had, they had they had uh two yeah, tiebreakers
0: they, and then and then the semis.
2: Yeah, they had two tiebreakers and then the semifinals, so it's kind of weird. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is precedent there that the champion has won before the Thing that has always held it up in the past is the Wrestle Kingdom title shot, obviously. But like we started at the beginning of the show, we're like, well, what are they going to do this year? There's no double gold dash. and They're trying to do multiple nights. Well, what if they just throw everything into flux and have Jay White win? And then if Jay White wins, then the possibilities of what they could be doing on the multiple Wrestle Kingdom nights, they're open at that point.
1: Yeah, Uh, so most most anticipated match, um, I think for me it might be for all of us is Osprey and Shingo. Those guys just don't miss. They they have a you know five star match in their sleep. Um, so I think once again they're gonna have another um, incredible matchup.
2: Osprey shingo is the greatest feud in in ring feud in wrestling since Okada Omega. So yeah, another chapter. Let's go.
0: I'm also really looking forward to I mean that I, I don't have to to elaborate any further on that, but I'm also really looking forward to ELP Osprey on the first night and, and ELP and Shingo too. Because I, I'm I'm just curious to see what style ELP adopts. Um I, I do think he's a candidate to leave Bullet Club, because what I mean, what's his lane gonna be, right? So like I don't know if that'll play out here or something like that. Um, I think that, I think that that's an interesting wrinkle as, as well. So, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty to, plenty to work with, with Shingo and, um, with Shingo and Osprey, except their matches have been going long. That's what I was trying to look up here right now. Yeah. So they've, they wrestled in the G1 once and that was a 22 minute match, but they're, Dontaku match was 44 minutes and 53 seconds. New Japan Cup 2021 was over 30. And then best of Super Junior's final was over 30. So it, I, I like to see them work a more sprinty pace. Um, or maybe this is a match that is a candidate to actually go to a draw.
1: Mm, yeah, they could do that, yeah. Yeah, and
2: that I That would I think be interesting. It's been a while since um, Gato's done a draw in the G1, it feels like. And he's teased it a lot. And in the past, he's done them as definitely as uh, tools to kind of eliminate and set different things up. And with there being four blocks, I think the chances, and this many competitors, the chances we get a tie at, in a pivotal uh, point this year in, in a major match, it's a lot more likely.
1: Yeah. So any other uh, final D-block thoughts before we answer some of these questions?
2: I mean, you guys didn't lay out what your uh, you know, general predictions are i know chris seems to be pretty uh doesn't want to let tell us everything
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i don't have a read on this one but i do think will and and juice are going to get mixed up in the u.s title picture which i actually think is going to end up eliminating both of them Mm -hmm. so i think shingo going through to naito sounds great and it sounds like a money match i mean like that's the i think that's the level and threshold of match that you put in a semifinal like that Mm -hmm. um and it's also an opportunity to book both LIJ guys strong but also you know eliminate one of them at some point so i think i if i'm betting if i'm booking it's shingo going through
1: yeah um i don't know i think i'm i think i'm still leading osprey right now which i mean they could pull the whole New Japan's still screwing Osprey. Jews can cheat to beat Osprey, and kind of like you were saying, Josh, have that claim of you know I beat Osprey, I have the belt, so I should be the champion. They could easily go that route, but I don't know. Just something about reestablishing the U.S. title for me, I think makes a lot of sense. So I'm gonna go with Osprey and Naito in that uh, semifinals there. Then I had Okada and Jay in the other one, so I think uh, we're gonna get that Okada Naito match, like you were mentioning, Josh.
2: And what? How do you see that playing out? Do you have Okada going repeat, or you got Naito, you know, picking up his third win in G G1?
1: I would have Naito picking up his third win just for the fact that Okada, like like we mentioned, his wife is going to be giving birth soon, and there's talks about him taking you know the fall off. So I think you you keep him strong by having him beat Jay White, so he has a, a title match kind of in his pocket based off that win. You have him in the finals, and so. He goes on break strong, comes back from paternity leave, to, you know, leading into Wrestle Kingdom, and you can get him in the main event that way. And Then you run with Naito in the fall, defending the briefcase, and built a Naito and Jay White. Nice. All right, so let's answer some of these uh, G One questions that were submitted by the listeners. Uh, so first, from Rambone's Slam Pig. When evil wins his block, do we riot?
2: Yeah, but where, like, how are we gonna riot? Like, am I just gonna break the shit in my living room? Just, <laughs> I'm gonna break my shit.
1: <laughs> no, we go to the
2: streets. <laughs>
0: evil could win his block. Good. Could, yeah, we, we, okay. we Evil has a, a track record of selling, of selling tickets in big matches. He doesn't have a track record of selling tickets in, I guess, pre-announced like title matches per se, but if, if there's a match that can eliminate Evil from doing something that uh, people don't want him to do, people buy tickets to see that match. Mm, yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's so been I'm really effective single. in... <laughs> it, well, that's exactly it. Like, he's been really effective in... Moving tickets on those last minute on those last minute uh, bookings, so like New Japan Cup and um, last year's G One when Jeff Cobb knocked him out, right? Those those matches as they built in intensity sold a bunch of tickets. So like that that is kind of in line with what they need from that, you know, seeing you know from the block winners this year. So do we riot? Maybe I don't. Know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have a lot of hate for the the evil thing since it's been downcycled. Yes. into kind of what I what I think is more like the correct slot for it. I actually kind of enjoy it. Um, but with that, I know that they know what they have in in evil in the sense of being able to um, get people excited about somebody losing instead of just rooting for the person that they want to win. So and I think that that's a unique uh characteristic of evil right now because people desperately want to see him lose. and then you know on the other the rest of the heel side of things, those are guys that like, yeah, you want the baby face to win but like if will Osprey wins something like it's not if evil wins, we riot, right so right I think that that that's an interesting slot for evil worth worth being attentive to.
1: He also asked, which of the first-time participants will have the best point total? Who will do the most to raise their stock in the company or the wider wrestling world?
2: I mean, with there being 28 guys, there's so many. I I think we're going to see multiple people attempt to do what you're saying there. As far as um, first-time guys that have the best point totals, I think that ELP will probably be the, the leading candidate. I could see Jonah also being a potential, but um, I say ELP just because he's got a contract. He's been with the company for a long time, and they tend to usually invest in their own talent as opposed to, you know, kind of like freelancers and outsiders. You know, they're sort of secondary.
0: I feel like they're going to get bundled up, and they're all going to kind of land in the same place because there's, there's just not much time to spread them out. Um, but I, if I, I think Jonah is my pick. I think that, I think we're going to see, there's a lot of guys that can be beat in the a block. So, like I said, I think that's going to be kind of one of the parody blocks. And I think that, you know, Jonah might eat up some, might, Jonah might get some wins that, you know, maybe on paper are surprising. And then I think that'll inflate his, his total a
2: bit. Yeah, but look at ELP. He's in a block with Yoshihashi, Dave Finley, and Ujiro. <laughs> Those are three guys. I'm not saying he's going to beat them, but he could beat all three of them like easily. And then he just has to beat either a Juice, a Shingo, or a Will just one time, and then he's got four points. That's like, you know, now we're talking about maybe winning the block territory. So,
1: Yeah, uh, throw somebody else. I'll, I'll say uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. As being the longest you know, reigning strong openweight champion, he's being guys big and small. That rarely could choke, can choke anybody out. Uh, Not me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think Tom has a good shot of being a, a first-timer that gets a lot of points. Uh, Rambo's last question here. Does the four-block format increase the likelihood of the champion winning his block because the final winner could theoretically have gone through someone else in the semis? Is someone else beating Jay in the semis a likely catalyst for the year, for this year's double goal double gold dome shenanigans?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we, uh, yeah, we kind of covered this, but yeah, I mean, it with it being a smaller field, it makes it well. I mean, I don't think it really matters whether uh, whether it's four blocks or not. I think the champion always has a potential to be in play towards the tail end. But yeah, I think Jay White should win his block unless they want to. Like we discussed, have someone else spoil him instead of a fault title defense.
1: Yeah. Uh, next
0: question yeah, here. I, but okay. I, I, was gonna say I do think in it, 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 we've we've really dug in on it, but I do think that it absolutely increases the likelihood of the champion winning the block because you've got uh, another roadblock between the finals, even.
1: Yeah, and with it being the 50th year anniversary, they've been trying to do bigger and unique and cool things. Well. That's a unique thing. hasn't happened, you know, in almost what twenty two years, uh, to have the champion win the whole tournament. And then, like we mentioned, you you can bring in a Kenny Omega, you can bring in a, a John Moxley, you can bring in some other bigger guys to kind of face Jay White. Kota Ibushi, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, next question here from uh, Key Director three seven four eight. Who do you think is the jobber in each block? And if they're going to get a win, who will it be against? Is someone in C block losing to Hanare?
2: I think it's going to be harder this year than ever for there to be true established, like they're going to lose every single match sort of um, players. But I mean, just kind of going through the field, I think Ujiro's the standout in D block. Hanari is probably the standout in C block. Chase Owens is probably the standout in the B block, and then in A block, kind of is pro- or Tom Lawler, just depending on how you want to book. Those are probably the two guys. Um, and I'm not saying Tom Lawler is a jobber per se, but if you wanted to have someone lose more than they win, and you know, basically only win two and lose four, that might be the guy.
1: I would say in might block. Be- Folle, or, yeah.
2: or fall it i i overlooked him yeah Falle is probably a yeah you're right probably fall
0: fall is probably the guy that has the least chance of of picking up a bunch of wins but i mean when i look at even a guy like goto i think is really interesting this year he only went three and six last year so mm-hmm. Goto, you know in that c block which is hard i mean obviously obviously you have hanari in there right like and he hits his first G one and yada 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 and you know maybe he's not going to do so great in the win loss. But the other, the only other guy on that that I see is in the C block is is Goto. Uh, so I think the Goto matches get a little more interesting because he's going to have to lose a bunch probably. So, um, but yeah, I think I think Josh pretty much nailed it.
2: Or it has the opposite effect. With there being a smaller field, it it means that they all go parity and he does better than last year.
1: That could happen. Uh, But for the second part of the question, I I think um, Hanare will get at least one win, and I think Goto would probably be the perfect guy for Hanare to beat and to to get that really big established win. Uh, Moving on to less Commission, 7252, says in each block, which wrestlers are you guys looking forward to the most? I have Lawler in A block, Tai Chi in B block, Kenta in C block, and Shingo in D block. Hmm. Um
2: for me, I think Lance Archer, because I, I love his work in the G1. So for him, I'm gonna say him for A block. Uh for B block, believe it or not, I'm actually gonna go with Tai Chi just to kind of see what his story arc sort of looks like and see what kind of bangers he, he puts out. Um, in C block it's gonna be Zach Saber Jr. just cuz and then D block Shingo because it's Shingo and I I'll, Shingo's just gonna fuck everybody up. It's gonna be great.
0: <laughs> For me, I think A block, I gotta give a, a tie to Jonah and Tom Lawler, because I'm so I'm so intrigued to see where they're headed with kind of the Japanese side of New Japan. B block Jay White, because I I, I, I don't I'm looking forward to this championship run from jay white and anytime the champions in the g1 everything that they do can lead to the next step in their championship reign so i'm um i'm i'm most intrigued by his tournament c block um naito just because i i consider him the favorite of uh, for to win the tournament so you know what is what is kind of his redemption or rebuild arc kind of look like here and then d block I, you know, I keep talking about it, but I'm really looking forward to El Phantasmo's tournament just to see how he elevates and, and where, where he's going now that, you know, he may not necessarily have a lane in uh, in Bullet Club.
1: For me, for A block, I'm going to go with Filthy Tom Lawler. They spent so much time investing in him in New Japan Strong, and I want to see how that will translate over in uh, New Japan proper. Um, B block I'm going to go with the great Ocon he's a guy that Like I said he's young He's a very good wrestler He's getting over and I want to see if they're Actually going to kind of capitalize On the wave of momentum that he's been having This year then for the C block I'm going to go With uh, Zach Sabre Jr um, Just incredible Tournament wrestler one of the best wrestlers In the world Um, it's always a fun Guy to watch um, then for the D-Block, I'm going to go with Will Ospreay just because he is having an incredible tier this year. It's you know almost like a repeat of his 2019, where like, I keep saying I'm, I'm setting the ballot in now. Osprey is going to be the wrestler of the year, whether he's wrestling in New Japan, Rev Pro, GCW, AEW. He's having the best matches everywhere he goes, and, he, and so he's obviously going to be fun to watch in the G1. Um, and then his next question here on the new Japan roadshows leading up to the G one after every LIJ tag win, it seems that Gato could have all three or two of the LIJ members win their blocks and have one or two going to the finals. Would it be a bad idea to have two members of LIJ in this year's G one finals?
2: Yeah, because you're, that would, yes, that would be a bad idea because that would mean Sonata, made it to the finals and is facing either Naito and Shingo. That would be a huge fucking mistake. Just say no to Sonata. Also evil by extension as well. I'll I'll throw him out there too.
0: Well we already talked about it. I, I think where I slot that type of match would be something like a semifinal. So um but I'm I'm here for it if that's if that's gonna be the case. But I don't think Sonata is going through. I, don't, I just don't think that they're behind him at this time. So I don't think that we're going to see a all-L.I.J. final. But maybe the semis.
1: Yeah, I think the semi of a, a Naito and Chingo is probably the spot to do that. Especially since we missed out on that rematch last year with Naito being injured on the first night. That would be a nice little treat to do that in the semifinals. Um, but, I mean, Naito and Sonata, I don't think they've really done that whole ton. So... I think Lij fans would eat it up, but I don't know if the the rest of the fan base would enjoy that. Um, and this last question here: What match do you guys see being the best match in this year's G One? Mind the Shingo versus Osprey or Ishi versus Taichi? Could be anything, but it's hard to beat Shingo Osprey just in general.
0: Yeah, they're gonna have a lot to work with. I mean, the 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 incredible chemistry. It's it's gonna be tough to. To come out on top of that Naito Zach could have the, could have a hell of a match too On that last block night because this you know The stakes kind of bring it up a touch And then you know the the history between Those guys I think they might have Have quite the match too
1: Yeah I think the smart money has to be Osprey and Chingo those guys Like what what's their lowest Rated match like four and three quarters <laughs> Like these guys are going to go out Here they always deliver and have these, these Incredible matchups so That's the I think that's going to be the best matchup so moving on, the Dark Soldier he said before the pandemic hit. G1 block finals used to have bigger matches like Naito versus Tanahashi or Okada versus Ibushi. Now block finals just feel random. With Okada versus Archer seemingly looking like the decider for the A block this year, or Shingo versus Ph- for Phantasmo for the D block, with the bigger matches like Osprey versus Shingo being placed in like night six or nine. Why the change?
2: Well, we've discussed at length over the past couple months since we knew the format change, the pros and the cons of it. So there's no need to get into that discussion. But, I mean, I I do feel like you're, you're looking at this a little bit in the wrong way. Don't look at whatever the last couple nights of the block finals are as the replacement for your traditional A or B block finals. Look at the actual a versus b block final as your a block and your c versus d block as your b block and you're going to get something that is comparable and it's also comparable in the sense that it's being held in a similar size building similar drawing show it it's the same thing it's just different format
0: yep i agree I, i i i think that the block deciders will end up with you know a good amount of buzz but i don't i think He's this this question asker Is correct That it's different this year and and But we have to be mindful that Those semifinals are going to be big matches
1: Yeah and also like you Mentioned earlier Chris with this Whole format change there's Going to be a situations where somebody Gets through by somebody losing On that final night so Just because like it's happening on the final Night doesn't mean like that is the block Decider Okada Archer might Not be the block decider um, there could be some other match that happens that night that goes through or somebody happens wins on the night before and somebody loses and that person goes through so there's a, there's a lot can happen um on that final night or the nights before
2: yeah that's a thing too is like oftentimes new japan fans presume just because based on the history of booking that whatever ends up being the main event on those last couple nights is the decider or like the a block or b block final but The match itself is not the final. The whole card is the final. And however, everything shakes out, depending on how many people are alive going into that night. I mean, look at this scenario where Goto, when he wrestled Kenny Omega in the G1, he didn't win the the main event of that final night. It It was determined because he won via mathematics because Okada and Tanahashi went to a tie. So this is actually in a certain sense way more definitive than what we used to get in the past, because we're going to know going into it, like, okay, the A block winner and the B block winner are facing off. And this is like a solid thing on that last, you know, on those last couple of nights, which is
1: pretty cool. Yeah. He also asks, which AW wrestlers do you feel like should have been the G1 and don't use Danielson? That's what everyone else says.
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you this, like, hypothetically, it would have been really cool to have some other outside guys, like, not even just from AEW, but like, maybe a T-Hawk or something like that, or, yeah, like a Brian Danielson come in, sure, but we have 28 dudes, we got a bunch of guys that are getting their first times in, there's a bunch, I mean, there's, there are some people I could say, like, just based off of, status like do you want to cut a day Finley or Ujiro and replace it with a bigger star sure would I be fine with that sure but for the most part it's not that much room there's not that much fat to really trim here so I'm not I, I mean even that question he said should have been in here it's like I don't know how many guys can Tony Cohen really do away with for a whole you know month and a half two months of summer that can't be on TV I mean I don't know and my answer would be Brian Danielson, and it's my show, and I can say it's it should have been Brian Brian Danielson if <laughs> I want to, but I'm fine with the way it shook out. I'm fine with it just being Archer. I'm fine with there not being a bunch of AEW guys that have literally no shot of winning the tournament, being in it. I'm fine with it being mostly New Japan. That's good. Uh, yeah,
0: I can't uh, I can't say much more than that. But I think what I like to remind people of, and 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 this more came along around Best of Super Juniors, but, like, New Japan tournaments are not AEW developmental. No. <laughs> so, like, New Japan tournaments are actually, like, a higher status when it comes to in-ring professional wrestling than even, you know, your, your biggest AEW matches. And that's just based on history, right? Like, the history of the G1 Climax, it's a really big deal. So, you do talk about that tier, like... Danielson and Moxley, right? Like those are that's the tier that you talk about when you talk about the G1 and I think that that's the tier that I would like to see. Now does that mean that they quote unquote should be in the tournament? No. That's that's up to them and and, and Tony Khan and the the other people that are booking. Um but that's the level that we should be discussing at all times if we're talking about entering the G1, you have to be top tier and a huge, a pretty huge star.
1: The one guy that I would say that I thought had a shot of being in this year was Eddie Kingston. I knew you just, were gonna say that. just due to all the stuff <laughs> he's been doing on new Japan strong. And yeah. we saw him um, having some big matches on these U S pay-per-view shows. I thought he's a guy that he could miss a month and a half of AWTV. And I think it would be fine, but there are so many injuries in AW and he is a, a top bay face. They definitely need him for the summer, but he's a guy that hypothetically I could see him doing a G1. He's a guy that you can beat and kind of go 50-50, and it, it's not going to be that big of a deal.
2: Well, two, uh, he's a guy that comes to mind as someone like in the future, in a, in a perfect world scenario. Would I like to see him in this? Sure. Another, uh, Definitely. Another guy, Miro, just stylistically Miro's another guy, and I'm sure there's a lot of people you can name. But you know who the one guy is for me? The, like, one person I'm like, I really, I have to have them in New Japan. And I felt this way before he ever came to AEW, which was just recently, and that's Claudio. Like, Mm. I've been talking about wanting Claudio in New Japan since we started this show, since before the show existed. Like, he's always been my dream guy to come to New Japan. The one guy that I'm like, he shouldn't be in fucking WWE. He should be in New Japan. And now, like, we're, we're pretty close to that being able to possibly exist. So
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
2: I wanted I wanted them to like announce him before he like I want I didn't know he was going to AEW. I wanted him to be announced as a free agent coming in and making his debut. That's what I really wanted.
1: That call money speaks, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh next question here from at JWLTN on Twitter. First says, Who's your dark horse bet this year?
2: oh, man, I don't know that I ha- have a dark horse bet. Um, is there like one – do you guys – I mean, if there was a dark horse that I think is plausible that a lot of people would be like, yeah, it makes sense, but you know, is also probably not expected, maybe Zack Sabre Jr.
1: That's who I was going to say.
0: Maybe Tamatop. I think my, <laughs> mine would be Great O'Con if they just really want to get behind oh, a, yeah. a, a young guy. Yeah, that'd be great.
2: That'd be exciting if they did something like that. I mean, for better or for worse, like they need to try something sometime.
1: A second question How does four blocks impact the probability percentage calculations as compared to the usual two? I think we've kind of covered that. What's well, Chris? Do you have yeah, well, to I add? think that
0: question's for, for my weighted block win probability metric that I'd like to roll out the tail end of G1s. So the, the thing about that is that it, um, it takes into account more of what you have left to do as opposed to what you've already done. So, um, but you know, three or four matches in it, it, it it's all going to land about the same. And that's, it's mostly for fun shows like a nice arc. You know, it, it, it puts a metric behind what we would call a story arc.
2: Well, oh, so is it like, I see, I, I'm, I wasn't familiar that you did this. So is it like when you're watching like world series of poker and like they get their hand, and then it's like, okay. Yes. Depending on what okay, yeah, yeah, That makes
0: sense. Yeah, like the, the likelihood of them now winning the card or the this hand is X percent. Right. Or whatever it may be. So yeah. So I've got this like, you know, litany of metrics that I throw into the document and it spits out what the probability is uh, of them winning the block, which is um it's it's it actually turns out to, to be quite a fun thing to look at and like as we go into like the finals nights.
1: Nice. Um, at Paul Elliott underscore 316 says more likely this year someone goes undefeated in block action or someone goes winless in block action.
2: I think it's more likely that someone does go undefeated than someone completely goes winless. But I think they're both possible and on the table.
0: I think it's tough to go winless when you've been put into the G1. Yeah. Like once you're once you're there, like you're gonna get a win unless you're never gonna be in the G1 again, which is usually kind of relegated to the older guys. I'm just looking so, at Hanara,
2: you know.
1: I, I think I, I think,
2: think Hanara's Han- on the up.
1: I think he, yeah, <laughs> Hanara's gonna at least at least get one.
2: I hope so. We've been fans of his. I'm just saying. I'm just looking at the <laughs> I'm looking at the kayfabe.
1: Uh, but yeah, I think it's more likely to go undefeated. And I I think man, I just have that feeling. Jay White is gonna be the guy to do it. Um, Next question here from at Tay 6 underscore. Do you like that NJPW is changing the format for the G1, or do you think it should stay with the two-block format?
2: I I do like that they're trying something different, that there's a lot of upsides, but I see some of the negatives. And so I'm optimistic and excited for this. But I will tell you, going through the list, going through all the potential matches. And one of the things I've always said is a positive is like, they're not going to burn as many big matches throughout the year. They can protect things. But now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't know. I want one of those stacked B blocks, you know? (laughs) 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 So that's the drawback where I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, we don't have a Bushi and, Ishii and Shingo and Okada and all these guys like in the same block just like going at it night after night. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit like what let, well let's just give it a chance and see.
0: I like breaking up kind of the trend. I mean, it, it, not that the G1 is ever stagnant by any means, but we've been in the same format for 10 years now essentially. I mean, you had one one year of 9 and one year of of 11 per block, but ultimately you're looking at the same tournament every year and I think doing anything different opens up some creative outlets for them to take different paths or build stars differently. Um, So I'm, I'm excited for it and, but I also like, I don't think I'll end up like married to it either in a sense that I'm going to want this every year. I, 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 I would be certainly open to like going back to like the quote unquote classic two block formula uh coming up soon too so but I, I like something different gives me a different way to look at things too it is in my role with uh with the with the company
1: yeah I, I like the the switch up this year and getting the four block format getting some more people in there and like you said you, you can always go back to the two block we've seen in the past like obviously 2000 did a four block and then it went right back to two blocks so If this doesn't work out, then you can, yeah, go right back to the two-block format, 10-man, and you know, everything will be gravy. But if this works out well, this makes more money, fans are more compelled by it, I think you can do this for a few years and change the tournament up a little bit. Yeah, and I think um,
0: worth noting that, like, I feel like for the four-block tournament, the sweet spot's probably 32, so it's not... Because you already are able to spread out the the schedule for the guys that you need to spread the schedule out. If you're gonna do this one block match per night thing, you can create bigger gaps for people. Um, but then you add in a buy, essentially when you're looking at kind of match one, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever. like, that creates even more space so you've kind of doubled down on creating space between singles matches for guys and i think if you added that eighth guy into each block too then you you've got maybe a little bit better pacing of the tournament so i think that would be worth exploring as they go forward
1: yeah i think if you add eighth guy too i think that kind of alleviates kind of what josh was talking about about having more stacked blocks you can have some you can bring in, you know, four top guys and to fill out in that eighth spot in each block. And then you get more great matches as well.
0: Yeah. And that's not to say that I, I, I think that seven is the wrong number, but I, I,
1: I always like even number
0: tournament blocks because then everyone just wrestles kind of at the same pace, even right, if you're yeah. spreading out like this. So, whereas now we've got this kind of big start and stop for some of these guys and, and, I don't know what that means for their body or, you know, for, for what they're trying to accomplish, but, you know, having 12 nights between um, two matches and then having, you know, three and five days, like that's probably not physically easy. So that's, you know, but that again is, is something worth noting. and, And hopefully that gets brought up and, and that helps tell the story of the tournament for some of these guys.
1: Yeah. So this weekend the tournament kicks off We have the the first two nights So opening night July 16th We'll have Fujita and Nakashima taking on the team Filthy team of Royce Isaacs and Tom Lawler So yes Royce Isaacs making the trip to Japan Going to be on these undercards teaming with Filthy Tom Then we'll have Oiwa and Yano teaming up with TMDK's Bad Dude Tito and Jonah So yeah Bad Dude Tito On the undercards part of the tournament I really wish that bad dude Tito Was in the tournament and not just on the undercards I've become a big fan of bad dude Tito um, And his work on Strong And I think it would have been fun to see him uh, In the tournament Um, We also have uh, Dave Finley, Jado, And Tama Tonga vs House of Torture Evil, Shio, Nujuro Archer, Taichi, Taka, and Zack Sabre Jr. Taking on Fale, Chase, Juice, and Kenta Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi Taking on Bushi, Shingo, and Naito and then we'll have our four tournament matches, C blocks, Tanahashi versus Aaron Hanare for the D block. ELP versus Will Ospreay for the B block, Sonata versus Jay White. And then the main event from the A block, Tsuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. Then on night two on the 17th, we'll have Finley and Yoshihashi taking on Royce Isaacs and Tom Mahler. And the second matchup, we'll have Archer and Takamichi against Fale and Fantasmo. Then Aaron Hanare, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay against House of Tortures, Dick Togo, Evil, Show, and Nujuro. Jado and Tamatanga versus Chase Owens and Jay White. Goto and Okada versus... Goto, Okada, and Tanahashi versus Bushi, Sanada, and Naito. And then the block matches will be from the B block, Ishi versus Taichi. From the A block, Yano versus Jonah. From the C block, Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. And then the main event from the D block, the Dragon, Shingo Takagi versus Rock Hard Juice Robinson
0: this is a good chance to highlight the return of traditional G1 undercard stuff, um, which is fun. It's usually very quick and breezy and easy to, easy to consume. um, And it might give you a little bit uh, of a picture of what these singles matches are going to end up looking like as we go. So um, love G1 undercards.
2: Yeah. The other thing too is, um, you know, I I haven't done as much in-depth analysis about the scheduling the same way you have Chris, but I mean, I got to imagine that some of the guys that are like having like their off nights will be involved in some of these tags and be setting up things that are going on. So, you know, with some of them having like long layoffs and stuff, it might be worth tuning into a match that might be relevant to what's happening, you know, in that individual's tournament
1: later on. Definitely.
0: Yeah. There's uh, what is this? So there's only two wrestlers with two off nights, and then there's another one, two, three, four, five that have one off night on the whole tour. But so, twenty one of these wrestlers are on all seventeen nights. And okay. And uh, you know, a couple of a couple of guys have like some miscellaneous, very brief time off. So pretty much everyone's on every card. Like that's almost almost a certainty. Um, right. So yeah, it does it keep, keeps these guys in the front of front of mind.
2: When I meant off night, I meant from tournament action.
0: No, I know, I know, okay, I'm, gotcha. but I'm just saying. And and then, but then you said, yeah, so you should check out the undercard to see how they're doing, right? And uh, you know, because I think some of those results might end up kind of playing into the story of the of the singles match, right? So these guys are all going to be a part of this whole tour. It's not like they're actually off for twelve nights. Um, so that that I think
1: actually adds to the importance of the undercards. Nice. So that's going to wrap up our G1 Climax 32 preview. Um, there will be a contest, so sometime after this show drops, be a lookout for our Twitter, at Uh We'll drop the, the form for that contest. You guys can make your picks, uh, get those picks in probably by, you know, midnight um, leading into Saturday, and, you know, have some fun, get your pickums in and, you know, get into G1. So real quick, we got to talk about some of the stuff that happened at the 2022 business strategy press conference that happened last week. I'll kind of run through some of the highlights here. We can kind of give a um, brief thoughts of uh, what they talked about. So uh, first, a return to the UK and JPW will return to the United Kingdom on an unspecified date in October. Their first UK date since Royal Quest in London in August of 2019. Uh, G1 special event, the G1 special show will be an Outdoor Card Hell in Rapungi Hills on August 20th in conjunction with media partner TV Asai's Summer Station event. Uh, New Japan and Stardom, there will be around two mixed tag matches at the joint NJPW Stardom event on November 20th held under traditional mixed tag rules of men facing men and women facing women. Kadani said that Stardom has come into Bushiro Group 2.5 years ago and has exploded in growth. Soon, much like overseas, the Japanese scene will be genderless and more integrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stardom talent will begin appearing on NJPW's strong brand in the U.S. Cheering special sections will be set up with social distancing to allow chairing at events on September 5th and 6th in Cork and Hall. Hall. Uh, for G1 attendance, Abari stated that 2019's G1 event sold 96,000 tickets, while the pandemic in 2020 saw that drop to 36,000. 2021 G1 attendance fell further to 28,000. Obari said that they have exceeded 30,000 tickets sold for this year's G1 already, with a goal of 50,000 set. For talent and recruiting, both Obari and Kadani spoke about the need to change their approach to handling both older and younger talent in response to societal changes. Obari said the company needs to create a path to allow for post-college talent to enter the company as more than 80% of the population in Japan now attend a vocational school or higher education after primary school. Obari also said that they would like to create a path for older talent to transition to jobs within the company office after they retire from the ring. Kadani, touted Azumi, and Starlight Kid from Stardom as being great talent because they started training at a young age and spoke of wanting to create a way for high school students to begin training in pro wrestling. Obari Mm -hmm. spoke about the need for the company's talent roster to get younger, but emphasis on youth and recruiting As they have more wrestlers in their 30s and 40s Compared to 10 years ago Oceana Obari spoke on the company's New Zealand dojo and has plans to run events In Oceana through No specific dates were mentioned Hiroshi Tanahashi Tanahashi will be the face of a new Protein line introduced by Bushiroad As a part of the Wellbe Gym Franchise and will consult on the Brand as well Hiroshi Takahashi uh, touted a new series of Bushiroad Rebirth trading cards Great O'Conn has new merchandise available designed by Obari's brother and the Strong Spirits app. Uh, there will be an NJPW Music Festival at an unspecified date this fall. And NFTs, the company has a plan to introduce NFTs through no specifics were announced as to when. Wow.
2: So I was definitely wrong last week when I thought that this was going to be pertinent to the G1. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, all, all about the uh, business plans going forward.
2: Yeah, they kind of unloaded a lot. I mean, in a slower news week where we weren't reviewing the G1, I mean, I feel like this would be, like, the main story because there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Obviously, we don't have the time to go super in-depth, but there's quite a few things here that, like, really stand out to me where I'm, like, kind of good, kind of bad. I don't know. I've got some mixed reactions to some of the stuff they said here.
0: What stands out to me is them being so forthcoming with their plans. I mm. think that, and it's have never really been like that. I know that, not to this extent, right? I mean, we've we've seen business strategy, um, type, either documents or or press conferences happen in the past, but never with this much detail, right? And and like their objectives going forward, right? So, I think people are really attaching themselves to this. This a lot of the stardom news, right? That we're going to start to see some some integration, some cross branding. And then that stardom talent will start to appear on New Japan of America shows. That's almost a bigger deal, you know, on on our end. Obviously, it happens in America, but also, like, in the U.S., co-gendered or, you know, multi-gendered shows are normal. And, And it's more, you know, I think even in this press conference, they referenced that there was a women's championship match on Forbidden Door. Because that's how American shows are—they have women's representation, and it's—I think it's big of New Japan to recognize it, recognize that they have an asset, and then know that Stardom's a pretty strong brand, and can probably sell some tickets. And and you've already got this structure of of having American events, so that's—I think that's exciting for a bunch of different segments of the fan base, and I think um, that that's like the biggest takeaway here from like the long-term planning that i i wouldn't anticipate them being so forthcoming with that particular bit of information
2: i think when it comes to the stardom stuff um i think that that a lot of it sounds very exciting and probably will be i mean we've already seen how you know uh when they've had some of those tag team matches from some of the the women on stardom like how high level they are and that's just a little taste that we've gotten And if you know they're I'm sure there's a lot of crossover where people listen to this podcast, probably watch stardom and are aware of how fantastic those girls are. Um, So that's very exciting. And the idea that there might be, you know, that they'll be bringing them over and integrating them into new Japan strong. That's exciting as well. The one apprehension I have, and I, I think some people are probably thinking that this will sound crazy or implausible, but, I think if history, especially with like with mixed martial arts repeats itself, it's not that I think this could easily happen. Um, I would be really apprehensive of them integrating and then ultimately swallowing up stardom. Cause I think that that would be maybe better for, for new Japan as a whole. And maybe there'd be some benefit to the performers, but long-term to the whole Joshi scene, that would be a tremendous, tremendous loss if it ended up playing out that way. And I, I think that that can easily happen depending on how the, the inner workings of the business like actually play out. Hopefully that's not the case here. Hopefully it is a scenario where they want to keep these two brands separate and they want to integrate them together and, and feed off one another and grow together and expand together and kind of get more visibility for both brands. And if that's the case, I'm all for it. But if it ends up being something where like stardom ends up not existing and gets swallowed into new Japan and pretty much the premier Joshi league goes under that would suck.
1: Yeah, that would be very detrimental to the Joshi scene there. And then with new Japan kind of controlling everything, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm very excited for them appearing on strong. I went to the stardom show that happened mania weekend 2019 in New York, and it was a, a blast. So, If these girls come to your town, you have to go see them uh, as a part of the strong tapings because all these stardom girls are awesome to watch, especially watch live. So speaking of New Japan Strong, real quickly, we had the Ignition Tour kicking off this weekend with the Strong Openweight Tag Team Tournament. So the first match of the night, we had um, the team of Christopher Daniels and Yu -yu Amora, who was replacing Carl Fredericks. They defeated the factory of Aaron Solo and Nick Komorodo. We had Jonah defeating Taylor Rust. And then in the main event, TMDK's Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes defeated the West Coast Rican crew of Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs to advance. Any thoughts on all this past week, strong guys? I didn't see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is grade one climax season.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm saving myself. I, I, I took a refrain from watching Strong to build up my strength. For
0: the G1. I do. I will say I do often like load up three or four episodes of strong and play catch up. And that's kind of a fun way to consume it. Because I like take almost one entire actual live show and watch it, you know, in the in the order they intended on uh, on New Japan World. So um, that's kind of my strategy with strong right now.
2: Except they, show, play, they play them out of order.
0: though. I know because I've been at. You, we've all been at strong tapings, yeah, uh, but they, I for mine, it was like groups of three because it mine, I think, taped three episodes and it like it went the first group, then the last group, and then the second group. I don't know, they just like bounced, but it it was in these clear blocks of three.
2: They didn't do that with ours, they cut ours up.
0: No, they completely
2: cut it up, and I remember watching it be like. That didn't happen in that order. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this week's strong was a lot of fun with the tag team tournament. Uh, Daniels and Yamora kind of gained the win. It was kind of surprising there with them being kind of a random team. And even though I know the factory from AEW, they're more of an established team, so that was fun. Uh, TMDK, man, those guys, they haven't missed a step uh, teaming together. They looked really good um, in the main event against West Coast Rican Crew. That match was a lot of fun and kind of a, in a way upset because you would think, with West Coast Wrestling Crew, they've been an established team on Strong for so long that they would be in it. But obviously, with Isaac's going to G1 undercard, they had to lose and get out of there. And uh, Jonah versus Taylor Russ with a very fun match, with uh, Jonah getting uh, another victory over Taylor Russ, remaining undefeated going into the G1. So next week the tournament will continue. We will have Dark Orders, Evil Uno, Evil Uno, and Alan Angels taking on the Aussie Open team of Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. Obviously, Tom Lawler will take on Bad Dude Tito, And then in the main event, the final first-round matchup, Stray Dog Army's Barrett Brown and Mysteriosa will take on the midnight heat of Ricky Gibson and Eddie Pearl.
2: Jonah won and Team TK won. So, I mean, either you see it one way and you think Noah never dies or you see it the other way and you're like, NXT never dies.
1: <laughs> Black and gold forever.
2: <laughs> Wait.
1: It might be coming back.
2: Trips is here and he's back. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, running through some other news items here. New Japan is returning to L.A. in August. The company announced Wednesday night that New Japan Strong Fighting Spirit Unleashed will be taped at the Vermont Hollywood in L.A. Sunday, August 21st. Tickets are now on sale. Prices range from 25 for standing room tickets to $90 for ringside seats. Current IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Jay White and New Japan Strong Openweight Champion Fred Rosser are announced for the show. New Japan. I heard in- that they're
2: going to be unifying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, man, that would be hilarious. Uh, that, that, that's how you get your your double gold dash. You, you throw in the, the strong title.
2: Hey Fred, we're going to need you to give us that gold back. We need
1: it now. <laughs> <laughs> we told us really good emotional story, but uh, go ahead and uh, hand it back over. <laughs> Uh, new Japan has announced uh, two new matches, plus a uh, change and already announced bout for the strong high alert taping in Charlotte on July 24th. So a previously announced Hirom uh, Takahashi versus Clark Connors. Singles match will now be a three-way with El Desperado added to that matchup. And then a new addition to the lineup, AW's Eddie Kingston will face Jake Something. And another newly announced bout The DKC and Kevin Knight will take on the debuting Heat Seekers of Elliot Russell and Sigmund in a tag team match And I just saw that some more uh, matches for that taping uh, have been announced on Twitter So our good friend Rocky Romero will take on Dax Hardwood Ren Narita will be teaming with Kushida to take on the workhorsemen of J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry John Schuyler will take on Lucky Ali And Drew Adler will take on J.R. Kratos so fun, uh, strong take bits coming up there in Charlotte. Rocky needs to fuck up Dax Harwood. <laughs> uh, then we got Music City Mayhem and a lot of big matches being announced for this show. Uh, the main event: John Moxley versus L. Desperado in a no disqualification match. Uh, we were kind of speculated on that last week, and uh, Moxley has accepted the challenge of Desperado. Davey Richards is set to return To New Japan for the first time In over a oh decade <laughs> uh, Richards will take on the Wild Ronald Clark Connors At Music City Mayhem uh, Richards last appeared in New Japan On a tour of Japan in March of 2012 And of course he was IWGB Junior Tag Champ of our good friend Rocky Romero Also add to Music City Mayhem Hiromu Takahashi will face Blake Christian And then uh, just popped up On Twitter, Kushida has challenged Alex Shelley for Music City Mayhem. So that's, Oh, that's cool. So we, we got G1, but this Music, this music City Mayhem is also uh, pretty stacked in the middle of G1. A lot of great matches lined up so far uh, for this show.
2: Yeah. Uh, last week I, I had statements about Moxley and Desperado, like the one neutral location where I don't see it being a squash in any way, shape, or form is here and I'm strong so i i'm really glad that they're kind of doing it there and i think that they can uh, have a fun pretty creative match there it's gonna be outrageous well we'll think about it. if it was in new japan proper mox would have probably have to eat him up and if it happened because oh, he's, yeah, a ju- he's a junior and if it happened in aw right. he'd give him some respect but you'd have to eat him up but because it's strong and it's open weight and yeah. everything like that and it's kind of away from prying eyes like they can have an awesome match
0: it's gonna be awesome. I'm so excited for that.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be super bloody. There's gonna be skewers, thumbtacks, barbed wire. It's gonna be awesome. Also, also Someone might
2: die. Richards and Clark Connors, like the two guys that have probably been like the most compared to like Benoit in the last like 10 years or like 15, 20 years, like are going head to head, like the old generation, the new generation. So, you know, hopefully Davey doesn't like work too stiff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see Davey. It's gonna be a fun that's a fun card. Yeah, uh, I saw Davey wrestle mania weekend against uh, Speedball Mike Bailey and that was a Super fun match so I'm I'm Glad that Davey's uh, getting another shot here Uh, We also had some updates from uh, Kota Ibushi went on another uh, Twitter string of Responding to fans and I think The kind of key highlights was him saying his shoulder Is getting worse he can't do Push-ups and um, There's talks about him potentially starting His own promotion and all kind of uh, random comments, and we had a question here from friend of the show, Dan Coffin. What percentage chance do you give of seeing Kota Ibushi in an NJPW ring ever again, and and of, and of ever wrestling again at all?
2: I I think that he's definitely going to wrestle again, but like maybe not to the same level or capacity that he did in the past. Again, I only say that because he sounds pretty determined to wrestle on some level, even if it's like the New Japan dad comedy level, he's going to get in the ring and entertain again at some point, most likely. Um, even if it's like a walk and brawl or something like that, as far as working in New Japan, it's becoming less and less likely with every comment, every post. And I'm not even like dogging him for it. Like, because According to him, a lot of the things that New Japan said and did during that press conference doesn't line up with what his understanding of it was, and so it's sort of a case that he, he said, she said. Uh, again, if this was a, a, a slower week, this would be a major story we'd be covering in depth and giving more time to. It's, we just don't have the time to do it, but uh, the, the basic gist of it sounds like he's never coming back to New Japan and he's making plans to do something on the outside, or and he's also not in good health as, as far as his shoulder recovery goes. And again, it's Kota Ibushi. So, how seriously can we take any of these comments? Who knows if in a year he's back in New Japan and you know working main events again? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can only know what Ibushi's saying, and then and then how it's being translated on Twitter, which is a dangerous thing to put much stock in too so i put most um, my stock in twitter <laughs> yeah absolutely right totally normal great decision making um yeah so i think that this is probably more complicated than most of anything we're familiar with because of how contracts are used in japan and so and, and how little we all know about all of that. So it, it's tough to say whether, you know, it, it's really tough to say. I, I think Kota has been very clear that he does not want to return to New Japan. Um, but he hasn't said much about um, what he actually wants to do. So, but again, it's also wrestling and things change very quickly in wrestling and things blow over very quickly in wrestling. So I, I think this could be headed anywhere with with Ibushi
1: yeah I think just kind of base all the comments I know we can't take that you know 100% I, I think that it's going to be highly unlikely that we see him in New Japan anytime soon I mean you know you never say never in the wrestling business so maybe in a couple of years he comes back but I think relatively soon if he does get healthy I don't think it initially will be uh, New Japan I think that contract they're probably gonna let it run out and he's Gonna kind of do what Ibushi does. We've seen Ibushi in the past kind of, you know, freelance, go travel the world, do different wrestle in the streets, you know, do all kind of random stuff and then he might be back. Uh you you never know. But I think the most alarming thing is the fact that his shoulder is not getting better. At least that's what he says. And it's almost been almost a year since he had that shoulder injury. Um so that's kind of um not not a great news there for him. So hopefully he can recover at some point and will be able to to wrestle again.
2: I don't know how you let a contract that runs for a lifetime run out, but okay. <laughs> I
1: mean, that maybe the lifetime was a work pal. <laughs> uh, so in other news, uh, Ishimori versus Hiromu from new Japan road for the junior title will be airing on access this week after impact wrestling on NJPW1972.com. There's an interview with Jonah talking about, uh, his first G one Kushido making his impact wrestling debut at Impact Wrestling's Derby City Rumble July 15th and 16th and then in Glate Doki and Kanamaru will take on L. Lindeman and Soma Watanabe on Sunday, July 7th they're or, gonna shoot it's 17th, wait what day is today? So today, it must have been Sunday, July 17th yeah Typos I was gonna there.
2: say like the 7th already happened yeah,
1: so it's July 17th is when that, that Glate matches um, so we're running real close on time here. I think we should probably uh, bump these questions, these non-topic questions here to uh, next week and do... I read
2: them. They weren't good anyways. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I didn't
1: read them. I
2: never, I never prep for this show. I don't read anything.
1: Uh, well, let's do a recommended match of the week real quick and uh, close the show out. Um, so last week for the excursion match of the week, I picked Tyus Alexander versus Will Ospreay from West Coast Pro Josh what do you think about that
2: Yeah I watched this match um you know it was very good uh, about 15 minutes the first thing that was really strange did you guys watch this or I know Jeremy probably did
1: I have not watched it yet
2: Oh okay <laughs> so Osprey walks out and this like while he's it's it's a small venue you know and this woman gets in his face and she's like you know I don't know what she's saying, but she's talking a bunch of shit. And, she, and, like, she's in the aisle way, and she's got her arms out, and she's not letting him through. And, like, Will looks so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, like, he looks like he's going to, like, take the high road and, like, I it, it, in another way, I would tell you that this was a plant, but I don't think it was a plant. And he looks like he's going to try and, like, respectfully slide past her, and then he gets to a certain point and he fucking checks the shit out of her. <laughs> He checks the shit out of her, like, into the guy that she was with. Like, just, like, fucking... Bro, he sends her fucking flying, like... Which, like, it gets a little bit into that realm of, like... You know, they always say, like, you shouldn't, like, touch the performers or get in the ring. Like, she was definitely, like, crossing that line. So that was, like, the... And then the weird thing was, like, she's in the, like, hard camera view for the rest of the match. And anytime. Osprey does anything, she's like, you know, like, totally, like, giving him the boo, but, like, it's like, it's like pure hate. Like, she hates this dude. But then, anytime there's, like, a great sequence between him and and Titus Alexander, she's, like, on her feet, like, cheering him. Like, you know Osprey was part of that, right? Like, like, I don't know. It was just so fucking weird. But anyways, um, the match is very good, but, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to take anything away because I think for this guy, Ty's Alexander, I've heard that he's like a, I've never seen him before, but I've heard he's like making a name for himself and coming up, and he's very talented. So I don't want him to detract from him. But this is kind of like you know Suzuki has his road match now, and you know what to expect. Yeah, uh, Osprey kind of has his road match. The difference is is his road match is fucking awesome, and <laughs> you are like four stars. <laughs> but, But, you know, I I don't want to take away from it and be like, it sucked. Because it didn't suck. It was great. But it's kind of like, if you've seen an Osprey road match against, you know, normal, like, indie guy, that's kind of what this was. It was like your 15-minute WrestleMania weekend. Like, I'm working this venue, but I have to be across town in, like, 30 minutes to work the main event somewhere else. Like, it was kind of one of those deals. Mm. It was very good, but it never got to that next level where there was, like, a lot of near falls or you know, believable, epic spots. They, they they did some great diving and some great brawling and some pretty elaborate, uh, you know, chain spots. But um, I'd probably go like three and three quarters, maybe maybe four. So I don't think it was necessarily like a excursion match of the year contender. But it, it was definitely a really enjoyable 15 minutes of wrestling. And I, if you haven't seen it, I'd definitely recommend it. You might be higher on it than I was.
1: Yeah, definitely, will uh, check it out.
2: I, I like the Nick Wayne match better. Not, that was another one I didn't think was a, a full on contender. So
1: nice. Then for recommended match of the week, you picked Jushin Thunder Liger versus the Great Muta from October twentieth, nineteen ninety six. Watch this matchup, and it's definitely a more of a kind of a spectacle matchup <laughs> than your you know your work rate matchup. There weren't a ton of uh, flips and dives, but it, it was a wild, crazy brawl. Um, they have, you know, there's a strong, t- strong style table out there. Uh, Muta give a Power driver Liger on the outside and continue to use the table throughout the matchup. And, of course, obviously the big highlight of this match is Muta ripping up Liger's mask. And you get Keishin Liger coming out and just making these, like, tribal, it's like, screeching... Noises and warning, bro.
2: It kicks up when Keishin Liger comes out, huh?
1: Yeah, because at first it's, it's kind of slow and plotting, you know. There's yeah. a lot of powder, a lot of just kind of brawling on the outside. But once the mask rips and he's Keishin Liger and he's doing like the scream, and these guys are brawling all over the place, and it was just a really intense uh brawl. You can, you can tell the fans are just totally like messed myst- up, mystified by both characters. Great Muta, and then this uh, you know, new Keishin Liger uh, variation of Liger. Um, so really intense, and then towards the end, uh, Muta busted out the the red mist, hit the the Muta Moon and uh put Liger away. Um, so definitely a fun historical matchup, definitely a, a big moment, but definitely not the you know the the, the work rate moves matchup. No. So um, now for this week, what do you got for the excursion match pick?
2: Well, you know, I've heard some good things. It's airing tonight on Dark. We haven't seen it yet, but I think it's probably going to be one that's worth mentioning. So, my recommendation for the excursion match of the week is uh, Shoto Mino versus Pac in Rev Pro for the Atlantic Championship.
1: Nice. Then, for recommended match of the week, going with uh, Russell Kingdom 5, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Go Shiozaki. Nice. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us this week for the G1 preview and covering all that news. Go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find you online.
0: Thank you for having me for another wonderful G1 Climax uh, preview. I think this is my third, probably. So one of my favorite shows of the year. So, um, and your favorite show to be on, Andy. period. <laughs> <You're sick>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the numbers don't lie. Okay, that's all. That's I'm gonna let you figure out what I mean by that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the Chris Samsa. Um, I will be super active. I think I'm gonna watch most of the G1 cards live, which means I'll kind of live tweet my notes. Um, and then yeah, I'll have everything up at sportofprowrestling.com for the G1 over the next couple of days. It'll be that'll kind of become my G1 central. If you will and then um, I'm sure I'll see you'll see some posts over at Voicesofwrestling.com too
1: Nice so you guys make sure you go ahead and check Out chris's work always brings The the great stats and the great Insights so follow him on twitter check out sportofprowrestling.com And stay in touch with all things that he's Doing online and That's gonna wrap things up for this for us This week next week we will be back to review The first two nights of the g1 Climax 32 so if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at K.I. Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook or Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On Instagram, or at Social Suplex on Reddit. I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is Keeping It Strong Style. You can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One-inch radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences hosted by Caleb and Maserati. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. The AW Match Guide podcast hosted by Sir Sam. And The Great Match Generator hosted by Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The ace of podcasts. Jibon.
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping It
1: Strong Style. We'll see you next time.